0: Hey everybody, it is Dr. Vincent West here. Words can't describe my next guest. He was a hero of mine growing up as I was an aspiring musician and also as I played bass guitar. Um, of course, my guest is Erie Vaughn from Danzig, Sam Hain solo career, and Rosemary's Baby's fame. Um, he was a photographer for The Misfits He's a very interesting guy. He's from New Jersey. Um, He's been kind enough to do this again. We did it last year. He's going to do it again this year. So uh, sit back, turn the lights down low, grab your favorite beverage, and I will be chatting with the one and only Erie Vaughn here on Phantasm Podcast. Happy Halloween.
1: Hey, this is Erie Vaughn, champagne, Dandy, and you're listening to the Phantasm Podcast. Phantasm.
2: Terror. Ah! That's your target audience, baby.
1: Did You know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal. Sell the metal. Sell the metal.
2: Sell the metal. Ah!
0: Well we'll start out we'll start out with this cuz this is something I've always wanted to ask you about. Let's start with your uh, we'll jump right in. Okay, so Danzig 4 on and so your your first solo album. Let's let's talk about that. How did how did that happen?
1: Um let's see. Left the band in like 95 right. sometime in like the summer or so I'm trying to get a timeline. That would have been, John wanted uh, July 4th to
2: Independence Day. That was that was, <laughs> like, was going to be the official thing. Um,
1: so let's see. Uh, I'm thinking, when did that first record come out? Like, it 96? Yeah, 90? yeah. So it wasn't that long. Um, so, yeah, I was
2: just, it was one of those things like, oh, you know, you do what you do. And,
1: uh was writing more songs and stuff and it's just I gotta feel like making a record sure and then I was like what should I do I can't just you know I'm not ready to to do um, a full-on you know play everything sing do the whole deal didn't know what I was gonna sound like you know right. I was like well you know what do I like that I could probably do and I'm like oh soundtrack stuff I like soundtrack stuff it's awesome. So then I came up with a concept of like, okay, well, each song will be like a little mini movie. And instead of having a video for it, you just think and, you know, we'll give you little jolts, like little sound effects and things. And you just think of a little video or movie in your mind. Right. You know, and I thought that'd be great because everybody will instantly see different things, you know. And so, so there was a friend of mine, (laughs) Excuse me, worked in the studio that I was working at, you know, working on songs and stuff. And he was really good and uh, wouldn't play with anybody. He would like, he'd show up and like lay down a track for you or whatever, but he didn't didn't want to be in bands and stuff. And um, I knew he was super good. And I said, I got this idea. I want to go in the studio and cut this kind of record, you know. And I said, I think I can get a deal you know maybe we get some money out of it you know and i said you come in do whatever you want you got carte blanche <laughs> you know so he was he was like yeah that sounds like a great idea so we just went in and i had some concepts and he had some things in the back of his mind and i laid down this stuff and then he said this and we, it was just fun we just we did like three sessions and it came out pretty good you know Huh.
0: I love it. I love that record. Now, so it it went pretty quick than the recording of it.
1: Well, it had to be you know didn't it had to be on a budget you know sure really sure be sure. sure. So we used to do just like we did with Sam Hain. Um, we did like blocks, like three or four hours at a time, uh-huh. and usually it was this kind of studios that you could afford. They were all in somebody's basement, somebody's garage. And you had to work around their schedule too, so you know it was one of those deals. You could record whenever you could get in there, sure. And so it was just like, okay, I got three hours booked, probably cost like hundred fifty bucks or something. I don't know. Um, and you had to buy roll of tape and shit and stuff. And and so the guy, you know, my friend Mike goes, "Well, what are we gonna do?" I said, "Now we're just gonna show up." And then we're gonna, we were gonna make some, you know, make some songs. Sure. Gonna, we're gonna just do what we do, and uh, so he go. So at the end of the, the three or four hours, um, we had like three basic tracks, and he was just like, I can't believe that just happened. You know, it's like, that's the way he talks. Um, <laughs> and then it just was like two more, and then you know, mixing it was a little bit more. I was like, I never really mixed a record. Like I had done. stuff little things but not like a whole where you know like some stuff had to be orchestrated sort of you know and so that came out pretty good i'm pretty proud of that stuff being my first thing it's the way the the stuff flows and how you can hear things and oh it's cool as shit yeah it was it was good and uh i knew some lyle from minor threat was working at caroline i think right and um that's where i met tom and he was going to do the uh he, he was soon to work on the box set. That's, yeah, that's where that all started. Really? And, um, yeah, so they offered me a deal. You put out one record, give me an advance, and if it sells, great. If it doesn't, you got an advance, you know? So, and I split the money with Mike, and he was thrilled. <laughs> it
0: was great. I loved it, man. I remember getting it and just being like, this is so cool. Because I really liked, um, and this is something we didn't talk about last time, and I don't know. I wanted to actually ask you about it too—the the Black Aria thing. Like, I remember buying that, thinking that was the coolest goddamn thing in the world because it had your all's intro music. When I would see you on like Danzig two and three, like you all would come out to that damn first track. Yeah, I think um, I
1: think people kept telling Glenn, "Where can I get that? Like, I really like that. That that was pro- might have been. I'm not sure. You didn't really t- talk about it. Um could have been like a, the germ of an idea of like well maybe people seem to like it maybe I should do a record like that right like, that makes total sense um because it was just something he went and did and didn't make a big deal about it you know didn't even tell me I don't think
2: oh, like, shit. but I mean you know
1: he might have but usually um you know um it was there was always somebody around like i i was usually in on it like everything so i don't remember what p- particular period it was but yeah uh, we always liked soundtracks that was another thing we had in common and uh would like find soundtracks and give them to each other if we were looking for them and things like that sure but that stuff i have I i haven't heard that in forever but i remember the intro stuff and it was what he liked like the conan the barbarian kind of oh stuff. yeah man I mean, yeah, yeah, I know, It was just like it's so funny, but it's just like that's his style, you know.
0: It gave me chills, though. Y'all would come out to that. I fucking loved it because the 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 skull was glowing like bluish, like a almost like a bluish purple, if I remember. Like this white light, like the bluish purple. And it, you know, dun 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 dun. And I fucking lo- dude, I was like screaming, just screaming, dancing. You know, yeah, like an, it
1: was—it was, was a showbiz for us back then. Oh man, it was—it it, it, it it was, was intense. Silly now when you, what stuff you.
0: No, heard. not to me, man. Maybe I'm just cheesy, but I—I I loved it. I still like it gives me chills. Like I remember y'all coming out to. I was like, God damn, this is awesome. Um, yeah, yeah,
2: no,
1: it was—it t- was totally cool. That's why we did stuff like that because we liked it.
0: So no connection then, as far as Black Aria, and then you doing basically an instrumental record then after leaving the band.
1: No, but I probably um, probably said it. People like Glenn's record. I probably yeah, that was probably in there somewhere. I don't recall, but yeah, I was just like, yeah, why not?
2: Sure, so, sure. I
1: think it, I think it was more well something I already liked. Yeah, that must have been. Yeah, I could have been, but I didn't sit down and go, hey, I'll just make a record no, like. No, uh, I didn't mean. I you know,
0: yeah, I didn't think that. I just meant.
1: No, but but I had not thought about it probably forever, if ever. But. Yeah, it was mainly just to get my toe back in the water, you know? Sure. And and just also, if I could make some money, which would be great, you know? Absolutely. Get back in the studio and sort of, you know, just to get some shit out of your head, too. It's also good to do that. And figure out where you're going to go, because each record should be like a step along the way. Sure. Until you get to where you want to be, you know? And... So, yeah, it definitely helped that way, you know. I probably should have done another record with Mike, but I think I moved shortly after that. So we never did another one. But, uh, but yeah, people like it, and they always put it out for Halloween. So, you know,
0: it's great. Yeah, it's great. Um, So when you left uh, Danzig... And, you know, you, even maybe during or before you made this record, were you ever approached to play bass for like another band, like another like successful, like maybe not even metal, but just like a punk or a rock band, like were you ever approached, um, you know, by anybody? Like hey, do you want to come, you know?
1: No, you mean like somebody trying to get you in their band or play out and do a side project? Yeah, I mean that shit used to happen all the time in the old days. But it kind of really didn't happen at that period of time it was just like you know if you quit a band you went and joined somebody else but you usually didn't leave a band to go you know like you didn't get poached but no nobody uh, people were afraid of us there was
2: <laughs> nobody even like talk to us you know it was like <laughs> you know and a lot of stuff
1: never got to the band you know like some stuff would just get to Glenn like they would go oh well we got he's like no <laughs> it, was, it was everything was usually no unless he had come up with the idea so sure yeah there was a lot of shit we never even found out about oh my god um, oh but well metallicus when cliff died um kirk called me up and said so you want to come out here and like you know try out for the band and i was just like oh that's yeah, really cool man but no you know <laughs> it was just like he goes, uh, well, I said. That's got to
0: be uh, surreal, though. That he, I'm sure he was dead serious, too.
1: Well, you know, he could have be just been.
0: Fucking with you? <laughs>
1: you no, know, no, no. He could have just been sent, you know, thinking it was a polite thing to do. Oh, okay. A polite gesture that, like, didn't want to hurt my feelings if they didn't ask or whatever. It was just. Or, or maybe they thought that I could get along good with them because we were already friends. But um, I. T- Instead of saying like, "Dude, I can't play with Cliff Plate. I can't play with you guys. Played. Sure. I can't. I, I can't keep up with this shit." And what I basically said was, which was the truth. I just didn't tell him the whole truth. I said I'm really happy doing what I'm doing with Glenn, and I want to see where we're gonna take it. Sure. You know, this is what I want to be doing, and you know, the guy I want to be doing it with. And and Chuck was like, "I totally dig that, man. You know, like I, t- I totally understand."
0: That's awesome. You know,
1: yeah, but yeah, that was the only time and it was just like, yeah, right. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't, there would be no, even, if I could practice for 30 years and, and be at the position I am now and still not be able to go and play with those guys unless they want to play some different kind of music. You know if you want to play that stuff that they play really really well really fast yeah I ain't your guy bro you
2: know
0: <laughs> it's got to be flattering though as big as that band has become i mean and i'm sure i'm i've read i mean you were probably friends with him i'll just ask you but i i'm sure cliff was a big fan so
1: yeah but we didn't get to see cliff that much you know because those guys toured all the time sure so the first time we met everybody he was there but I don't have hardly any recollections. I, I recall mostly Kirk because he was the one I spent the most time with because uh, right after the show, like the cops busted the club or something.
2: Oh shit! And yeah, so everybody was running and um, Kirk had asked
1: me if he could get some of the records. You know, he's like, I think we had like, Unholy Passion was out and he didn't have that. So, when the shit hit the fan, I just grabbed him and threw him in the back of the van and closed the doors. And figured out
0: what
2: they were <laughs> right.
1: So, we just hung out in there, and I think, you know, he bought like the record and maybe a t shirt or something. I don't know. But <clears throat> I think James got arrested, and, you know, maybe Clip and James got arrested. But next time we saw them, they were already like,
2: Starting to open, like, I I think it was just one of those, um, when they were open for Ozzy. Oh, okay. Uh, Like, and it would have been
1: the Indianapolis show, because we had played Bloomington, like, the night before. And it was just, like, a thing. Somebody said something, or we found out. We said, hey, Metallica's playing Indianapolis tonight.
2: You know, we should go. That's awesome. (laughs) So we just did you know, but yeah, we hung out and talked then, and we most we
1: talked about like you know what base he was using, and I said, oh, I have one of those, and talked about that, just bullshit. But we didn't get to hang, you know, like sure. not like I did, not like I did with those guys later, where it was like all night drinking, going just causing trouble, doing shit, you know, and just having fun, you know. So I didn't I didn't get to to, to really pick Cliff's brain, which would have been a lot of fun, you know.
0: So this would have been like.
1: Definitely seems like the kind of guy I probably would have been friends with.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. That's why I just assumed you guys were (laughs) also because you know I know he's a big Misfits fan. I'm sure he's a big Sam Hain fan as well.
1: Oh yeah, well he was the he was the guy that said hey we should go see that band. It was the guy who was in the Misfits. You know Um, he he definitely got the rest of them to go down there. So it was all his, his fault that we all got to be friends, and then all the other stuff that happened. know later on you know sure you know but yeah i always thought that was cool you know and i loved this playing you know this this. and when i first heard it i was like wow this guy's a monster yeah and and watching him play and the fact that he could headbang like that like constantly while he's playing this like really intricate cool shit you know and like you know metal is especially at that time really, really complicated and just, like, all these parts and stuff, sure. but he, he, he made it have, like, a groove, like a roll, you know, rather than, it's very regimented and, you know, everything's very strict and has to be this time and then that time and this time and this right. thing and that rip. And he had, he put in stuff that made it have more of a groove. So I totally dug that, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah.
0: So... <clears throat> I didn't get to ask you about this last time we touched on it. Kind of go even further back here. Um, What got you into photography? Uh,
1: Let me think. Um, I think it could have been. It's it's, it's harder to remember, so I tell the story differently over time. Um, I do remember having those little Instamatic cameras. We used to get them for Christmas, they'd come in a little gift box. And it would flip up and it'd be a kodak you know, somatic yeah. camera you know they have the cartridge film and absolutely they're like 110 or you know maybe a little i think we had the bigger side the next size up which was i can't remember the size but they were tiny negatives and um i used to take pictures i collected gi joe's and other toys and stuff from yeah. back then yeah so i used to put them in like situations and no. try to like nice just, yeah, I try to creatively like shoot them as if this was really happening and, you know, go in the
2: woods and pose things and make, you know, little scenes. But um yeah,
1: I just always I don't know, for some reason just wanted to see if I could see what I saw in my eye, you know. Right. And then my dad got a camera when I was like eight years old. My grandmother came back from Japan with a Nikon, which was like 300 bucks in the states but right. like 100,
2: 150
1: in Japan so she brought it back for him as a present and he got into it and started going to a, uh, a camera shop and buying lenses and the guy who sold him the lenses knew what he was talking about so he you know gave him some pointers and shit and he would tell me what he knew and it was just like one of those deals uh, that when he wanted to take pictures he'd, he'd take pictures and then He'd give me the camera and let me mess around or whatever, and it just sort of kept escalating until, like, hey, we're going to the Grand Canyon. He just gave me the camera and let me shoot the whole vacation, you know? It's awesome, and yeah. Because, well, shit, you can't get a bad picture
2: at the Grand Canyon, so yeah, <laughs> you know, it's a I good mean, place you, to start Yeah, you could be a blind man and still get a hell of a fucking roller at the Grand Canyon.
1: It's amazing and, uh, yeah and then when i got to be in like seventh eighth grade we had a photography of uh, in the uh, seventh grade we had a there was a photography class and it was a dark room oh cool um,
2: and then in like i think it might have been eighth grade a friend of mine had a dark room in his house like in his basement nice and
1: he was shooting and he was using a camera at, you know the, at the time i was like yeah i didn't really like but He was the only one it had when it was more like an advanced sort of professional type camera. And so, of course, we start talking and then he's like, I got a darkroom before you know it. He's showing me how to develop, uh, you know, prints and things. And then you get to high school and you learn the whole thing. You learn how to develop your own film and printing and then have, you know, all that shit. So it just kind of just kept going on from, uh, you know, from just a general interest and just kept going and going and going. You know.
0: That's awesome. Now, did your dad stick with it, too?
1: Um, yeah, I think he always took pictures, but not, you know, just just to document stuff and, you know, the,
2: the usual uh, barbecues and things oh, okay. like that. Oh, God. That's still uh, cool, though. You know, yeah, his
1: thing was always, like, when he got the camera and this was, you know, the mid to early 70s, whatever. It was like, he, put, he we'd all, you know, put on, like, a Sunday go-to-meeting clothes or go-to-church clothes. And he'd put us up against the wall, put a light on, and try to take little portraits of us. Oh, okay. Like that. You know, that kind of shit. And we still have a lot of that stuff. It's pretty funny. You
0: That's know, awesome. Like, mom's hair. <laughs> That's great. And then, so, who approached you, or did you approach the misfits about starting to take photos for them?
1: No, I was shooting all the stuff in high school and I had a camera with me a lot um, in between and I would take pictures of the kids.
2: Um, We always needed that stuff. If if the guy who was putting together the yearbook
1: didn't say, hey, just go shoot some candidates, you know, like, you know, just take however long you want. I need this. I need that. I need this or you would go shoot the clubs, but i always had a camera around and Doyle and i were in art class together and so i was always printing or developing something and he did some too i think you had to uh you had a few assignments um we yeah we had to do certain stuff because there's pictures of me taking a picture of him <laughs> and um so yeah we hang out and do stuff and just one he must have uh, he must have mentioned it to glenn or he just, uh, you know, uh, you know, he just asked me, he said, why don't you take pictures of the Misfits? You know, uh, I was like, sure. Oh, uh, whatever. You now, know, and then, then I didn't think about it. And I think he probably s- said, yeah, this is good at school. You know, takes pictures, shoots everything. He stuff's pretty good at this, that and the other. Because I was doing all sports, you know, like for real, like that was my main.
0: That's awesome. Shoot
1: shooting sports and that's why I thought it was so much fun shooting the with because the way they moved around and the way the shows were in general sure. it was like you was like going to boxing or wrestling or you know football games absolutely you know so I had already had all that training and plus I played sports so I understood the you know the whole dynamics of whatever you do all that shit but yeah he just asked me and I I I went We did The Cave, and then they had a show booked, you know, soon after, and then it was just like, oh, we're going out of town, you want to do this one? I'm like, yeah, you know. So I did a couple of things here and there. I didn't shoot them really that much, but I got a lot of good stuff, you know.
0: Were you getting other bands... Well, first of all, were you had you shot bands before them and were you getting other bands going, hey, we heard you shot the Misfits, can you shoot us?
1: No, it wasn't like that. You know, I mean, it, yeah, I get, I've i gotten that in the, in the intervening years, like in the last 20, 30 years. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, but at the time, nobody even, you know, chances are you weren't even going to see these pictures. Um, you might see a promo, but then you got to think about who was getting the promos uh, the fiend club there was a thousand people at the at the max right in the fiend club and so they might get them that's a thousand people nobody knows what's going on um they didn't put them into the records
2: uh, they didn't have like a promo re- record company promo pack or something that sure.
1: could go all around you know so unless it was an album cover or, or you know a single cover or something or like they put bunch of my photos on the Walk Among Us nobody was even going to see this stuff so and usually nobody got credit anyway so right. you know nobody ever knew about that stuff so nobody asked me but I, I would if the bands were in town or if I was friends with them and they needed t-shirts or they needed photos yeah I would take them you know I would just say you pay for the film if you want shirts you gotta pay for whatever
0: did you ever you do know. that for anybody uh...
1: yeah I did shirts for AOD really they were Jersey
2: hardcore band, nice. I did a I did shirt, and um, they might have used the, some,
1: some of the logo, I can't remember, yeah, and Steve's band, I shot pictures for Steve's band, and I made. I did a logo for them, which they still use, by the way, really? um, and um, I just, uh, yeah, and I just saw an old picture, I was like, holy shit, I did take that one, too. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, oh, and that's my logo, I totally know it's mine. Um, it, that they're still using, but I never tell people that because, you know, no, especially back then, it was just like, uh, yeah, we don't tell anybody. I was just going to do it. Yeah, don't use my name.
0: That's funny. Did you ever, like, when the Misfits were playing, did you ever like just for the shit of it like if you went out and saw the the Germs or the Ramones or or you know uh, whoever did did you ever just take pictures just for the just cuz you like to take pictures did you ever just take other live shots of other bands or
1: Well usually the pro- the big problem was I didn't have my own camera it was always my dad's camera uh. you know and the fucking thing was you know it was a Nikon and it was expensive and I was afraid To lose it, have it get damaged. Of course. I mean, I couldn't afford to get a new one. Plus, you know, uh, it just—it just wasn't a thing. When I went to see bands, I usually went to uh, Stage Dive and be in the pit, or just you know, hang out in the back and watch. So now, I, I almost never shot anybody unless I was already shooting the misfits, and I might shoot the opening bands or something. But I can't at a certain point much later i did go to a couple of clubs just because i wanted to shoot a particular band or um i wanted to get some pictures and maybe make a t-shirt really that I could give them or that i could just wear because i didn't have any t-shirts that's cool you know, so yeah i did that now, i think i shot oh yeah i shot overkill once because i was friends with the thought player so i've got some shots of i love them of, of, of uh you know the, the old the
0: old uh, guitar player, Bobby Gus Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
1: And I still talk to Bobby. Um, and he's still playing, as far as I know. He's out somewhere. It's amazing. Somewhere. But yeah, I shot some bands here and there, but not a lot back at that during a mystery time, you know.
0: That's cool that you did that, though. I mean, it's just...
1: I would have done more if... But by that time, I was getting kind of... You know, I was... My, my interest or my energy was going into different ways that rather than photography might as I was doing more t-shirts plus, you know, the, the Sam Haynes stuff was going on. Sure. So the, I was, I was preoccupied with a lot of other stuff, you know,
0: well, let me ask you this. So from shooting the misfits, cause this is something we didn't talk about. I don't know how, cause we talked about a lot before and I appreciate you so much for tonight and last time, every time you've done it, uh, come on the podcast. But, Rosemary's Babies. Talk to me about that.
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I was at, I was at a with show. I was at the Irving. I think it was like, I think they played twice in, that year. So it was like, say, March.
2: And I shot them in June, I think. I'm not okay. sure. But anyway, a uh, friend of mine, who was two years ahead of me,
1: um, him and his buddy, Chris, who's the bass player Morning Noise, nice um, his name's Bob and I hadn't seen him because they graduated you know already and I was a sophomore so I was like 16 and we just happened to be at the same show bumped into each other and he said hey how you been you know hey what's going on what are you doing and I'm like oh you know I've been playing the drums a lot that was another thing Doyle said get back into playing drums because we always need a drummer <laughs> you know and I was like, okay. So I started practicing again, and um, and he goes, yeah, I've been playing bass. He said, let's start a band. And I said, okay. And, you know, he lived, you know, five minutes away, nice. you know, 10 minutes away. And so I had a basement. Drums were already set up. My parents were cool. Um, they brought, you know, their gear down, whatever, set it up and then it was there all the time you know like the, even if we had you know company or whatever the relatives of downstairs are downstairs like don't touch the amps you know <laughs> but uh you know i didn't know craig actually took his amp with him and he brought it down every time the rehearsal
2: that's funny yeah uh, a fend- fend- a um, yeah so we just
1: um that was the thing when bob and i started getting together to see if we could uh, he was he was writing a lot of lyrics and i was writing stuff since like eighth grade so he goes, oh, I got a guy who lives two doors down from me. He plays guitar like Johnny Ramone. I said, cool, bring him down. And it was just like instantly he's like, yeah, we could come up with songs like right away. So that was it. And then we tried to get singers for like six months. We practiced like every day for six months and just worked on, you know, being, writing better songs and being able to play faster and faster and faster and faster. You know, that was my whole thing. I wanted to play like a million miles an hour. Right. And um, so, but we could never find a singer that we tried out like four or five different people and even tried to play with other people to see if we could uh, just get something else going or whatever, and we could never find anybody. And like, that's always been the hardest part of being in a band. It's like gotta find people who all want the same thing and all have the same basic ideas. You know, it's just like when you pick friends You know like you go hang out with a hundred people and you wind up being friends with like two of them you know um then you start a band with those guys right so we couldn't find anybody but we i did have um two two really good friends um and one of them was a natural front man i just harangued him until he just said okay and um, he came down to like a couple of rehearsals and we got him into the studio and said, okay, read this shit, try to fit this stuff in. And, and, it, it, and we came up with like 22, 20 tracks or whatever, put out like a seven inch and then like 25 years later, put the rest of them on CD, you know? So it was great. It was fun, you know, it was all the cool shit was happening. You know minor threat was still playing but they were almost done right and uh th- you know those guys had you know the earliest records and i was only i was getting into the hardcore thing because i was into the misfits and more of a punk rock type thing sure but i started to get into the necros because they were friends with the Misfits, and they would uh girl made me a tape of their stuff and then i got some of their records like the first one i think and so it was still a great time, and there were so many great bands in Boston. Oh man, it was—it was really a fun, like, say, two or three years. It was really, you know, awesome. And you're like 18 eighteen, nineteen, twenty. Come on, it was—it was nuts. We did some
2: crazy stuff.
0: So uh, the photo I've got here—it looks like one of your members is wearing. He's dressed up like malcolm McDowell, like from Clockwork Orange. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh
2: yeah, oh yeah,
1: he loved that. Um, it was so funny that was like a perfect movie for him because he also had he loved the classical music he went to like a, a real good private school and shit was
0: that your vocalist is that who that is
1: yeah it's J.R.
0: oh that's you fucking know, so cool
1: he, yeah and he was also he was into like that That movie was and a lot of kids at that age you know gravitate towards that movie because it's such a a cool thing to like oh I want, I want to do that when you're that age you know <laughs> no responsibility and you want to just you know fuck shit up it's just a real when i look at it now it's like really stupid but that's what you do with all that that energy that you have at that period of time you know and that's what all these bands were doing they were they were like freaking out over like you know uh, like w- what was going on in the world or reagan you know and the other ones are freaking out about out about this and everybody was angry about something Right. You know, it was just a great time. (laughs) It was really, it was really cool. A lot of those people still like that.
0: Now, did you, (laughs) did you all tour Rosemary's Babies? Did you all go on any tours or were you just playing local
1: shows? We we did, we just did shows whenever we could find them. Um, But we couldn't go too far because the other two guys in the band had jobs. Right. You know, so we could play on a weekend, but we had to get back in time for them to go to work or, you know, whatever. And I was, I... You know i was totally into it and i had a i had a full-time job but i would totally quit if we had if something came up right that was like worth doing but i i was getting a lot of money doing what i was doing so i was the one who financed the, pretty much all the recording and the presence of records and stuff and it, it, you know but i would totally drop it if, if it was going to be like something more than just a, a like a weekend thing you know, but those guys, you know, they're, they 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 were doing what they were doing. They were they were into it, but they they were like, well, you know, I'm not going to quit my job. You know, so.
0: Let me ask you: that Did you play with anybody notably that you remember playing with? Like, no. Y'all?
1: Oh, we never. We 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 also had the attitude that the you know like the misfits had, and it's probably why. You know, we were all friends. We're like, yeah, we're coming in. We're, we're going to kick your ass. (laughs) You know, it was, yeah, we, that's, I'm pretty sure that's why I'm I was friends with those guys because we all had that same kind of attitude. Like, yeah, we're the best band in this place. You know, that kind of shit. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, the Midsmiths always thought they were the best band on the planet, (laughs) you know, and it was like, yeah, okay. You know, and so we had that attitude too, but that's also from being from Lodi and being from, you know, the East Coast and all that shit. Everybody has a big attitude, you know.
0: Sure, of course. <laughs> now, did you while, while you were doing Rosemary's Babies, were you still doing the shirt thing for some other bands, or?
1: No, I was. I always did shirts from like high school on, just for me and for like my friends. I, oh, nice. I never wanted. To, I never wanted to make shirts for bands because first of all, they could never pay you you know
2: <laughs> well you know, that's true yeah <laughs> yeah it was always a losing proposition and i was like yeah do it as a favor you pay for everything and i'll print them but trying to get people to buy stuff
1: or pay give you money it was like it was ridiculous so i if i wanted a t-shirt of bowwinkle and i couldn't get one i would just make one so i kept doing uh awesome. i make, i make sam Hain shirts i made the first um Danzig shirt you know i did just whatever i wanted and then i just it was he like, oh, the guys in Metallica would like these? I just send them to them, you know. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> now, with th- with with that band though, uh, was Bloodlust the only thing that you all ever was that the from '83? Yeah,
1: yeah then we were, we were. I was working on an album when uh, everything just kind of fell apart. You know, everybody lost interest except for me and uh, Craig still played guitar. Um, so we were just going to record uh and put out an album but it just the sam haynes stuff was starting to be you know uh by uh thing so i just kind of gave it up but yeah we put out the rest of the tracks on a cd you know 25 years later and there's the the whole thing is going to come out on vinyl uh for like 500 copies on uh Last Hurrah Records, I believe it's called.
0: That's fucking awesome, man. I'm yeah, I'm not familiar exactly. with it. I can't but wait to be listen to it.
1: Coming out like any minute,
0: you know. <laughs> that's awesome. It's so cool because yeah. I was thumbing about around stuff to talk with you about, and that's something we didn't get to before. So I wanted to ask you about it. I just thought that was really interesting.
1: Um, yeah, I, I laid out the I laid out this, the the sleeve and all the stuff, and it really looks nice from what I've seen. You know, I haven't seen that a hard copy or anything, but. Um, I was, uh, I I still don't know what they're going to do when it comes to vinyl, but I told them I didn't want any colored vinyl because it's become such a joke. Sure. Everybody, oh, 10 versions of this record, so they'll buy 10 copies. Come on. Why don't you just put out a good record? Then they'll just buy one copy, you know? So it's like, I didn't want any collector's items. I was just like, yeah, okay, it's going to be limited edition black vinyl. I was (laughs) going to put a sticker on it that says colored vinyl. Black <laughs> and think... <they'll> th- <laughs> so I'm hoping that's what's gonna what's gonna be, but who knows? And I, you know, so yeah. And it whole it's got the whole um, it's got 20, 23,
0: 25 songs on it, twelve on each side, I think, something like that. But the Bloodlust thing, how much was on? How many tracks were on that? It
1: was ten. It was five on each side. Oh, nice,
0: nice. It's cool, it, man. It, uh,
1: you know, it's on a seven inch. I forget what it is. It's on an album it's 20 minutes a side so that's 40 minutes that you can fill up right. if you have it so a 7 inch is probably I oh, 8 minutes a side
2: something like that right yeah I would think so yeah so we had songs that were like you know, a minute long minute and a half you
1: know hardcore songs we had songs like 10 seconds long that's fucking cool know. so like hey I said everything I wanted to say in 10 seconds so <laughs> move on to the next one you know that's just the way it is it's like the ramones It's just like yeah or the, even before that the everly brothers i'm like i'm listening to it and i'm i'm looking at the counter and i'm like that song's over and it's not even two minutes it's like a minute and 48 seconds or a minute and 50 58 seconds like holy shit, that was a whole song it had a verse it had a chorus It had a bridge it had another verse it had another chorus it had a guitar lead and under two minutes so yeah
2: that's was,
0: awesome
1: yeah, you could fit a bunch on a seven inch if you wanted to.
0: So for Rosemary's Babies, and just you in general going to shows, what were some of your favorite like clubs to go back to back then to see, you know, punk or hardcore stuff?
1: <laughs> back then, a lot of the stuff, a lot of the places were like rented out places like VFWs, Moose Lodges, and like around the country you you almost always it was it was some kind of they would name it to put on the flyer, but it was usually like VFW, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Something. But in New York, uh Irving Plaza was my favorite. Um and the Seabees. Gildersleeves was open right there was like two doors down from Seabees, Great Gildersleeves. That was a cool place. Um we we went we used to go to uh Peppermint Lounge. Um nice. that that was great. And There was always places opening up and then closing or maybe having hardcore stuff or punk stuff which basically punk and hardcore would just be booked in the same places and it was kind of like all turning into the same thing or you know like not the same thing but under the same banner it was just like you you would have the misfits
2: who was basically a punk rock band with Two or three hardcore bands opened it up. Oh wow. Everybody everybody who was gonna go see them loved the Misfits too, you know. Right. And, you know, so uh,
1: yeah, I'm trying to think and there was like serious hardcore clubs like A seven, um was just like a basement filled with kids <laughs> and a band. You know, and I I didn't I never went because I, I was just like, no, that's that's too it's too claustrophobic. So I go to the, the Irving and see like four or five bands for like six or eight bucks when the misfits played it was like 10 bucks they're like ooh the misfits it's ten dollars people would complain um because you was know, like really you just saw four bands and the misfits or three bands in the misfits for ten dollars and you're gonna complain oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it was ridiculous people were bitching even then
0: that's crazy
1: yeah that, that was good but Irving was great because it, it was just it was a total fire trap had like one entrance, one exit, um, and co ed bathrooms. That was fun when you were like 15. I was <sighs> like, holy shit, what was this? You know, and just tons of really ev- mohawks and spikes and just all kinds of goth chicks and all kinds of stuff. Oh man, it was a great scene, you know? It's
0: awesome. You know, someone told me this recently. I don't know if you've ever heard this. I don't even know if this is true, but um, the. That John Taffer guy that does the bar rescue thing or whatever?
1: Uh, what, the t- like a TV show?
0: Yeah, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever seen it? Yeah,
1: like, I, I remember it being a restaurant makeover, but same kind of shit, right?
0: Yeah, it's the same. Well, supposedly, he owns CBGB's.
1: I thought it was a clothing store, though.
0: No. Oh, no, it may be. I mean, I mean, like, when it was open, like, back in the heyday, supposedly, that was his first venture. He was saying on an episode I watched, and I was like, what?
1: Yeah, but I thought Hilly owned it until he died. You know, oh,
0: I me mean, I don't know. I was just—I thought I would just throw that at you because I'd heard that. I was like, what?
1: Oh, well, I thought that the place was still open while Hilly was alive, but I don't remember when it closed or anything. Um, I don't even remember where I was living. At the Maybe time. it was
0: the Ritz he owned. Maybe it was something else. Maybe I'm yeah, getting...
1: Yeah, see, now that could, could make sense because the Ritz had a couple different locations and uh yeah that somebody could own that but it's maybe they own the club i can't see them owning the building because that was seriously, sure yeah like serious new york money well it
0: was weird like i was half asleep and forgive my ignorance on that but i was like watching that because i watched that show sometimes and i was watching like an old episode of it and he was talking about all these punk bands playing at his club in new york and i was like what yeah, well, you should probably, you know, cut that section from your podcast. You know, you
1: know, just explaining to the audience how I really didn't—I was misinformed, but I figured I'd talk about it anyway.
0: Well, it was just—I just thought it was weird because I didn't know if you'd ever heard of such a thing. Because I just thought it was bizarre. There's like this, like, rich guy that renovates or saves failing bars. Even though if you look it up, most of the bars he does, they fail, and then he. He owned some punk club i just thought it was really bizarre
2: um, well,
1: I, I, I watched one of those shows when they when the whole reality thing was first like becoming a big deal sure and one of the restaurants um was in a town that my mother and father uh, lived in and um said yeah they're, they're doing restaurant makeovers down at some italian joint or whatever you know and uh i was just like oh yeah because so, i'd seen the show, but. Yeah, that stuff was funny for about a minute.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's... I can't believe a lot of that shit. I that, some of that shit is in, like, its 15th or 20th season. Some of those reality shit's fucking crazy. Oh, um, yeah. That stuff doesn't exist on my planet, you know? I'm no, just, not here either. Normally. Yeah, <laughs> the, the bar thing, just I just... Like, it's funny to watch them
2: put right, out.
1: I, I watch what I want to watch, when I want to watch it, and the rest of the world... Like, when it comes to, like, TV shows, I'm still
2: catching up on stuff I didn't see 10 years ago that's good. Fucking like A.
1: Yeah, so that's... So, I don't need to watch any of what's currently happening. Yeah. I, I, I like living in a bubble.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I'm the same planet bubble there. But, yeah, I just thought it was weird when I... Because, like I said, I was half asleep. I have, like, really bad nightmares. And I remember him saying something. I was just like, what? I just thought it was bizarre, but... It sounds like a nightmare. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as far as, so Rosemary's Babies, when you guys finally, what year was that when you were like, okay, this is, I'm done with this?
1: Well, once Sam Hain was really taking up most of my time, plus we were rehearsing in my basement, so I didn't really have any time to, uh, I was working full time, uh, so were the other guys, um, and, um, let's see, so we started in 82, so probably it was like 84, first Sam Hain show was March. Yeah, I, re- I remember starting to kind of grow my, um, trying to, you know, like starting to shave my he- uh, head and let it grow back in that pointy right. thing. And I have pictures of Duke, uh, rehearsing Rosemary's Babies, so overlapped. But when uh, Sam Hain was just like going to record and things like that, I think I just... Um, Stop doing those babies.
0: Right now, do you have a favorite between Intenium or November Coming Fire?
1: Uh, well, I like all of it. I wish the first record could have been recorded better. I, you know, we recorded at the studio in Lodi. that was cheap and easy to get to. It right. Was in the same town, and it just wasn't. None of us knew enough to say, hey that snare sound isn't good, you know, or, you know, we should change this or is we want it to sound like this. It was kind of like we we're trying to just make the best rec- sounding record we could at the time. And for what we, you know, our
2: knowledge of, of trying to make records. Right. But uh, the songs are
1: good on the first record. Um, and, but I like November Come Fire because it sounds better and it sounds more like we're
2: really in the groove you know like the band was
1: really everything had been ironed out by the third record you know and like the the whole unholy passion record was just like this weird period um that glenn was writing all these like angry weirdo songs you know and he just wanted to get that out of his head i think and uh just you know that whole like him freaking out turning into a wolf kind of thing you know it's like it's just like he wanted to get that out and didn't want to hold out that you know just just had to get this stuff out and then we moved on to the in november which was like more commercial if you can believe that's what we thought it was, it was more right. commercial
2: <laughs> you know like when
1: the ramones thought road to ruin was going to sell records you know?
2: right.
1: <laughs> it was radio friendly <laughs> it was like no it's not <laughs> Are you crazy? You actually think these people are going to play your record? You know, I mean, that's what we were thinking back then. It was so weird. You know? But yeah, you know, so the first record was so much different than the Misfits. Like, even, like, the Misfits' best stuff, and then, like, Earth AD was just, like, incredibly different. And, but, like, then we do an itchium, and it's just, like, I don't know. It seemed kind of uh, calm, or just Totally, you know, let's like get more accessible. I thought, you
0: know. I've said it wrong all these years. It initium, so I say it initium.
1: Oh, I, I didn't. I didn't even hear.
0: I said it. I said it. I, yeah, initium. That's,
1: that's what Glenn told me
0: was. Oh no, that's amazing. I never knew that till right now. So all these years, oh, okay. I've said it and butchered it with my Florida accent.
1: Oh, uh, well, whatever. Uh, yeah. So. I like i like all the stuff i mean the only passion the only thing i don't like is the cover because it's just stupid um but the music was really good and uh glenn and i tried to mix it um and we, we were sitting there for like hours going do doing, doing the faders and the eqs and doing all the stuff and we thought we makes this incredible record we both got cassettes to take home and listen and we thought this is gonna be great get home listen to it sounds horrible <laughs> it's just like it's just everything was so heavy like we wanted it was got to be heavier it's got to be this you know, because this is the mood right. of this this period of time and glenn said yeah it's it's awful and we thought it was great and um you know because it's got to sound good in the car or on like a, a smallest you know stereo you got right because in the studio sure it sounds great but nobody has that if it sounds good in the car then you know you've got it but at the time we didn't know how to make mix records so we were like yeah let's have the engineer set up a basic eq and then we'll just ride the faders you know and stuff like that um and then it came out okay but it was still really underground a lot of birthday party influence and you know <laughs> Uh, you know, whole Goffy, Alien, Sex Fiend, all that kind of shit. It was all in, you know, that kind of mood. But, um, then of course, November Coming Fire comes out and it's like, hey, this is, you know, this is way different.
0: So with Initium, what's, what's some of your favorite tracks on this album? Oh, I like almost all of it. Um,
1: uh, So I'm trying to remember what time. yeah, Archangel's my least favorite. Okay. Uh, it's just, it doesn't do anything. Uh, but I like all of it. Uh, um, I'm trying. Burn All Guts, All Fun is awesome. You yeah. Can't Be Named, uh, Black Dreams. I mean, they
2: were all good. You know, the Howl
1: is cool. Uh, you know.
0: Yeah, It's it's it was my, I remember I had people trying to buy that shirt off me when I showed up at school one time. They, they had no idea what it was, you know. And, you know,
1: what kind of offers did you get? I would have sold it and got another one.
0: Oh, I well at the time, um, I had bought it out of like a like a I think like a metal magazine or something. Or a oh, skate yeah, or, or, sk- sk- or yeah, skateboard magazine. Yeah, I sure did. Oh, um, and
1: like yeah, you sell back then it was like wait six to eight weeks for delivery. Yep. Yeah, oh shit, I hated that when I was a kid. It's like, yeah, I got 50 cents, you put
2: 50 cents in a mail, in a fucking
1: envelope, <laughs> and then you then you forgot, and by the time this thing showed up, it was like, you need the route grown, whatever it was, you know, I was like, shit. Now people, like, they send me they send me money for a book, they, they send me
0: an email the next day, you send my book out? <laughs> You're <right>. like... <laughs> i'm like no I gotta, i'm sorry sorry
1: right now we're having a staff uh picnic and uh, everybody's busy
0: we're in a zoom meeting
2: <laughs> oh lord
1: yeah I'm like holy shit you know like i tell people like they 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 get on the on the face on facebook with me and they're having we're having conversation or whatever and i'm like yeah okay and then i just like Go off and do something else, and then they're like, "How could you stop talking to me?" I'm like, I don't know." (laughs) I'm like, "I wasn't over there," you know. I don't have a smartphone, and I'm like, "Ding!" and going, "Oh, what is that life changing uh, message somebody sending me?" You know. (laughs) I I don't even half the time I don't even know where my phone is. Like, you know, my lady's like, yeah, you went to the store. And I tried calling you 67 times. I'm like, yeah, I didn't have my
2: phone. (laughs) Yeah, I know.
0: (laughs) It's at the house. (laughs) Oh. Um, So November Coming Fire, what's some of your favorite stuff on that one?
1: I hardly know what's on there. Um,
2: Birthright? Yeah, I like
1: uh, November's Fire. It's got that nice jangly kind
2: of thing. And then then the way Glenn sings. Sings the verses. Yeah, it's
1: it's so great. I mean, it's so much better than the chorus. The chorus is terrible, but the but the whole vibe during the verses, the way he phrases things, oh, great. And uh, human pony girl is great, but it was a real pain in the ass to to record. Um, I, I I think most of it I like. I I just don't remember.
0: Kiss of steel um, was one I always liked.
1: Yeah, that was good. I just thought it was a little. I don't know. It was was too. It just seemed like it wasn't right for us at that particular time. It seemed like we were, as far as I was concerned, we were really expanding, and songs, just you know, just those songs were so different. Um, Nobody was doing shit like that, and then Kiss the Steel just seemed too like straight up, you know, punk rock. You know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's. I remember. The first time I, because I remember buying it on cassette, and you know, going back and listening to it, I listened to it recently to "Walk the Night." I like a whole lot and "Birthright." Oh yeah, yeah,
1: and, yeah, that one's great.
0: Um, un unbridled, I think's cool
1: too. Um, oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that was one. Of, I think Glenn played drums on that. That's one. It's really, really psych- it's really psycho. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's it's it's so good. It's always fun to listen. To Sam Hain around uh, this time of year for me, like it's, it was always like something because I, when I got into because I, I got into see I, I went backwards. I don't know if I've ever told you this as a fan. Like I got into Danzig and then went backwards. Like I got yeah, into,
1: that's what you're supposed to do, though. That's what I did. I, I, not, I not enough not enough people do that. You know, I always did that when I was like, you know, I'm I'm listening to somebody and they they I love this song. Then I I look at the label or I turn turn it over and go. Well, who wrote this song? That's not their song. That's not their name. I'm like, wait, who's Richard Pennyman? You know? Right. And they're like, oh, it's Little Richard. Oh, who's that? Chuck Berry? I said, well, I, why don't
0: I buy a Chuck Berry record and see if I like it? You know? That's what you're supposed to do, you know? Exactly. Well, it was, it, you know, and it's for me because um, my uncle, I, don't know if, I think I probably told you this story before he got me into a club, underage, I wasn't even supposed to be, I was supposed to be like 21 and over, so I could see you guys on your first tour. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, it changed my life, you know, it was fucking awesome, I was just like, this is cool shit, um, I've been a fan where ever we, since. Where
1: were we playing?
0: You were playing at a club called Planet Earth in Knoxville,
2: Tennessee.
1: Really? Yep. I don't even remember us being... Um, Because I lived in Nashville the last 10 years, and I was like, I don't ever remember us playing like Nashville, so we played Nashville. You did, yep. And it was probably nobody
2: there.
0: I mean, it was actually, well, I mean, for me, it was like my first experience in any type of, uh, you know, seeing an underground top band thing, so... I was in like 7th grade and I remember just being like holy shit it was it was wild for me you know?
1: Oh yeah at that age yeah. come on to see us in a club oh, yeah. yeah that would have been that would have been pretty intense
0: Oh it, it was. was it completely we were and still, totally was we were, You know me Glenn and Chuck were still like punk rock guys and just going
2: off you know and and John was a good showman you know so oh, yeah. when
1: we were in a club we just we went falls out the whole time so it must have been good
0: i don't remember that there was a support band i think it was like local bands open for you guys i don't remember because if there was i missed it i don't remember but i remember you guys playing and it was cool too because you guys didn't go on it was like late too like i remember it was like really late because i was like oh shit
1: Club shows you could go on, whatever, yeah, you, know, you could go on, you know. So, so I mean, the Misfits went on one time, it was it must have been like three o'clock in the morning.
0: Oh my god, that's wild! Yeah, so that was really cool. Um, but yeah, then I just basically went backwards. I was like, because uh, you were like one of my heroes, so I went back, I was like, I gotta check out Sam Hain, and then. Uh, Obviously, misfit stuff because I was like a skater kid in the 80s, so I was buying skateboards and stuff. I had like a misfit skate deck, uh, right? And all this stuff. So, but yeah, it was really, really cool to go back with that. But as so, when you, as far as did you all do a lot of touring for Initium, or was it more touring for uh, Unholy Passion or November Coming Fire?
1: Oh, we didn't do a lot of touring at all. Oh, okay. Glenn had Glenn had like a timeline that everything was he wanted everything to go according to plan. and the record was supposed to be out by the time he'd already booked the tour. and it was like, you know, a month, maybe. And the record didn't wasn't out. So no, nobody nobody could get the you're supposed to have the record for a month and then go on the road. so people know the songs. And all that right so we show up and all they know is it used to be it was glenn who used to be in the misfits so if they like the misfits well then they probably go see what what glenn's doing now sure you know so but we played to you know we played to like nobody i mean first time we played the jockey club in kentucky there was like 25 people there you know oh wow yeah and and so well we did the same show didn't matter you know we were we were still nuts and we just went off but glenn and i would joke around and stuff like i remember a lot here in a live date and glenn and i were doing buckwheat you know <laughs> that time eddie murphy was doing
2: yeah <laughs> so he did buckwheat
1: doing sam hain and he was he would sing it like that and and every once in a while he would do it while we were playing and i would start laughing it was so that's amazing but yeah there was nobody there but the next time we came around like word about and stuff it was just like yeah they were really good or you know the records really cool the great cover and all whatever and then you know then the record had been out and then we were probably going on only passion and we just did uh, you know like Pete, i was working pete was working um we had to get off from from our jobs and either quit or hope it was there when we got back so right. we couldn't do a, a lot of touring and we just got in the van and drove and either did up the east coast and, and or usually started in Pittsburgh and went a little you know a little bit this way and then went down came through Texas and then came back but it wasn't a lot we probably toured the most for November but uh, it just wasn't you know you know you get a van and then it breaks down you miss some shows and stuff it was it was hard. The Misfits didn't tour a lot either, you know? Sure. It was just one of those things. Those guys had to work, and 30 days was like, their dad would be constantly bitching, get back home, you know?
2: Right. <laughs> so
1: you really couldn't do a lot of touring, you know? Just get in the van and go, because people had jobs, you know? Of course. Because the band, you couldn't make any money, you know? But Sam Hain was making more money than most of the bands that was playing. I was sending money home. It was great.
0: That's fucking awesome.
1: You know, but we already got Glenn's, you know, pedigree before that. You know, so he could demand better, uh, better deals from from promoters and stuff, and kids that were renting the halls out and saying, "I want this much. I got. We got to have a guarantee of this much." So we were getting pretty decent money.
0: That's awesome. Now, when you look back at the, the four Danzig records, do you have a preference of one of those? Or even the, the Demon Sweat, the, the live EP, do you have a... As far as... And not even the, the album, I'll be more specific with the question, like, was there one of those tours that you preferred more than the others of, of, those, of those five? Well,
1: yeah, um, the, the, the tours were, you know, especially in the beginning, the first tour we did, for real, for real was with Metallica and we go to Europe and Glenn was like, I don't want to go to Europe. And I was like, yeah, me neither. <laughs> you know, and, and I don't know about Chuck. I don't know if he'd been there before, but he was Canadians almost the same, you know? Right. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that was okay. I mean, we did, we did a little thing with Slayer before that where we did like five shows with them. But, um, i would have to say the the one i had the most fun and the band was like at their biggest was like the the how the gods kill like 92 93 like of world tour and and um that was where we were you know we were playing all good sized places everything was consistent you know the band was a really good period great crew and stuff so you know that was probably my favorite and also it was the longest one Because we'd go out for like a month and Glenn would go like, I want to go home feed my cats. And then we'd have to go back, (laughs) you know, a month later, go back on the road. We could never make any money because we were always, you know, having to start up again. And then half your crew would go work for somebody else, you know. So we didn't tour as much as we should have. But... uh,
0: That record was huge, man. I remember, I was working at a record store back then. And I remember, I mean, you know. And then all the geiger or geiger however you say his name uh on the artwork yeah oh man that's fucking awesome i always loved that because i was a big I'm, alien I'm, fan I'm so. sure.
1: well that, that record got good reviews from rolling stone which was weird you know um we got four stars out of five or something Oh wow! and it got to like number 22 or something like that so i was like fuck, top 40 you know <laughs> i was pretty happy about that
0: I love the only, my only, you know, my only thing that I wanted for that album, I loved the two video cassettes for the first two albums.
1: Yeah, well, we were working on.
0: Those were the coolest fucking things in the world. Eerie, no joke. I literally have watched both of those so much on an old VCR, broke them, and had to go on eBay and pay an obscene amount of money to get original copies of those again. So I can keep watching because they're not there's no if they're on something digital it's something I missed that Glenn put out but I don't have them on any kind of digital format <laughs> yeah he
1: put he put um, uh, stuff on DVD it's called uh, Arch- Archive de la Mort
0: yeah I had like no that. clue that that even exists now I have to go try to buy that <laughs> yeah that was that came out and I don't know what's on
1: it but I'm assuming it was like the videos but I don't think there'd be the you know the extra stuff
0: that's what I liked. I love seeing you all hanging out. I thought that was so fucking cool.
1: Yeah, somebody just asked me the other day who was the interviewer, and I said, well, I interviewed Chuck and John, and then they just put some- <laughs> they put somebody's voice over it, and uh, the director, Vinny, in- uh, interviewed me, and then Vinny interviewed Glenn, and they just had somebody voice- do voiceover. I don't know why, but, um, yeah, it was... Uh, uh, yeah all that stuff yeah it was it was okay but i we were working we were filming a bunch of stuff and when we went to europe we had a, a crew and we filmed in scotland and ireland and all these places. oh wow and we were supposed to make it was going to be a bit like danzig documentary was going to come out and um that just never happened you know we had all this footage and um it never, nothing ever happened and then that's then they shot the stuff for the the live mother thing shot that whole show, which would be great for that to come out because that was an unbelievable show. Was that
0: the Um, demon sweat thing? Then they put all that stuff together made the mother live video,
2: and that's when everybody said, hey, what the hell is this? And it was pretty cool because it was a
1: a really fun, you know, energetic video, and it wasn't, you know, nobody was tearing up chickens, and, you know, there was a (laughs) bunch of pentagrams and stuff. So MTV said, yeah, we can play this, you know
0: so who were who were the, the the ladies that he would have in some of the I remember like the I think it was the the She Rods video the mother video so these like hot chicks it's like
1: well he would just he would just you know the director they would just do casting and chicks would just show up like they do and you know they get your photo and you talk to them for like five minutes and see if you like the way they look or whatever or if they're right for the video and uh Glenn would just, you know, chicks would just show up, and like, here's the chicks. And they're like, okay, whatever. You know, And that was it. And then he'd usually take them afterwards. That's, hey, that's, you know. <laughs> you could see him. I was like, oh, it's Glenn with, uh, what's her name from the video? Oh, my
2: gosh.
0: So the, the demon sweat thing. So there's footage somewhere of that whole show.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure they shot the whole show, and then they just put you know, a bunch of the good stuff together for uh, the mother video, you know? But yeah, there's. I've seen um, some, somebody leaked out from that same show, uh, Left Hand Black. Oh, wow. And, and that, oh, that's great. But the whole show was like, we were at the top of our game, you know? It was it was the best time, the band was really hot, and it was an amazing show. We broke the barricade in like two songs. People were lighting fires, you know, it was amazing.
0: It was either ninety two or ninety-three. I remember seeing you in Atlanta with Sabbath with Dio. Oh yeah, yeah. We did
1: two And I think that. fight.
0: With Rob Halford was on that bill too. If I'm, I could be wrong about uh, that. I, you know, there, sometimes uh, there was bands that only in, in certain parts of the oh, okay, okay. Or
2: certain yeah. legs. I do not remember opening acts because it was Black Sabbath. <laughs> you <know>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, um,
1: It was just like yeah, you know and. We'd go over and go, look at this, Tony's guitars right there, you know, and you could, I took pictures and all this stuff, and, and, you know, you could talk to them, they were like real no, nice normal guys, and D.O. was a nice guy, and, you know, it was it was just a trip, you know, like me and John were thrilled, and Glenn loved Sabbath and so does Chuck, but they didn't want to really do it, they're like, uh, you know, I was like, no, oh, it's like a passing of the torch, you know, it's like, that's what up-and-coming bands have to play with the big bands just like all those bands that opened up for Ozzy at that period sure. or whatever went on to be headliners and stuff so to me it was a natural progression so yeah but it was only two weeks and we did some some outdoor shows and a couple of things and that was cool you know no pressure you go on and of course you try to blow the open uh, the, the headliner away yes you know. but it was Sabbath so you know So we went out there and tried to win people over, you know, people that probably didn't know about us. But I was like, "Hey, well, they're opening for Sabbath. We
2: should check them out," you know.
0: I remember just real quick. This is nothing to do with what we're talking about. It has to do with Glenn, though. Like right after, so the album he did after Danzig Four, I saw them. He was open. He was him, and I'm wanting to say Sepultura open for like Ozzy and.
1: Oh, they did the black the, the the Oz what was that
0: Ozzy tour called Ozfest? Yeah, they did Ozfest. Yeah, yeah. And I'm at the show, and some guy said something. Hell, Glenn went in the fucking crowd after him. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. And I was too far back to see what was going on. Yeah,
2: but that's because Glenn's a punk rock guy. No,
0: dude, it was the coolest thing in the world. It's 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 why I love him. Um, I, I, I I about shit because I was like. My friend was like, I think he just went in the crowd after that guy. Because they're just up there just playing like a song. I don't even remember what song it was. And the guy, because I remember him being like, yeah, motherfucker. And then, and then there he goes. Like, like, I mean like fucking dove into the, like tackling this dude in, off the stage. In, in this like outdoor pavilion. It's the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Oh, yeah.
1: That stuff was pretty common. You know, you never knew what he was going to do. And uh, yeah. Yeah. He would do that, and we would just, you know, play, keep playing, you know, and just wait for him to come back or whatever. But yeah, the easiest, the easiest way to piss Glenn off was to go there, stand right in front of him, and give him the finger. I that think
0: somebody him. did something to that. Yeah, that set
1: him off. That set him off every time.
0: <laughs> I mean, I was like, I just remember being like, "Holy shit!" Because I'd seen you guys, you know. Every tour up into that point, and I had never seen anything like that. I'm not saying I'm sure you probably have a story you could tell me off one of the other tours, but I was like, I was like, oh shit! Like, I remember just being like, because we did not have good seats, you know. And I was like up in like the the lawn or whatever they would call it, you know, for Ozfest. Like I didn't have like I wasn't like in the seated area of the outdoor yeah, thing, yeah. and I was like, yeah. He just fucking dove in that motherfucker, but I could see because they had like a screen, you know, behind so people could see, you know, that we out in the in the lawn area. And I was like, uh, he just went in the crowd. <laughs> you know, it was just like, oh shit. Was there ever a time <laughs> you know, we probably left the mic on stage,
1: which you could have used that as a weapon? You
2: know, you could take the mic with you. You know,
1: Elvis used to go into the crowd. You know, you got to keep, you got to get along, mic cord. You know, like Angus Young. You know, one of those.
0: You know. <laughs> did you ever see him
1: around, the, around <laughs> the arena? You know, still, still playing. You know, you, yeah, you could jump into the crowd, beat that guy, but you got to keep singing. Did you,
0: know? you ever see him do anything like that with Danzig or Samhain, no, or even Misfits? No, if, did you ever see? him? If, if, no, there was, to, there was, just like any any band,
1: if some some shit hit the band um, during the show um happened with the misfits too it was just like the whole band would just jump into the crowd. If somebody was if somebody was beating on like one of their friends or or somebody they knew or whatever yeah totally stop the show fucking jump on jump in the crowd you know? oh wow it's just it just it just happened and you know uh especially if it's like say one of your crew guys gets gets in in with it on you know with somebody in the crowd you know and because they were mostly you know, there was no security at most of the shows back right. in those days, and so you would just stop and just jump in there because that's your boy, you know, and you got to go help him, you know. So wild. yeah, anyth- anything could happen, and that mentality never goes away. You're always like, this is your this is your stage, this you know, this is where we live, pretty much. Right. So if you try to you come up on stage, well, you we're gonna kick you in the head or we're gonna <laughs> just throw you off, you know. You don't. <laughs> you you stay down there we're up here you know so it was just one of those things it was just like this is our neighborhood so you know if we let if we ask you to come on stage that's the one thing sure but you know so yeah that was always something going on
0: that's know? wild um Two was always my favorite album um true story i may have told you this before i can't remember i've been in like four car wrecks listening to that album and ironically, I was not the one driving in any of those car wrecks. Um,
1: so it just
2: kept speeding up?
0: Well, my well, the first time... So that album had just come out. It's like brand new. This guy, Jason, bought it on cassette. And I'm riding in a fucking uh, Volkswagen Rabbit. I'm in the back with... So my buddy Mark was up front. Jason was driving. I'm in the back Sandwiched by their two girlfriends, and they're driving, and Jason is showing out, hits some loose gravel, and just totals the fucking car. And it's the weirdest thing. Like, and I remember it was, it was, it was playing Devil's Plaything when it <laughs> when all this happened. And uh, it, it, it' true story. Like, I I love that album. I never listened to it in a car. <laughs> Cause it was like the, the wildest thing, but no, I love that record. Um, I remember when I bought it cause I bought it on vinyl, I bought it on cassette and then I think I even got it on CD actually. Um, I sent off for like the, the, uh, the cross, the upside down cross.
2: Oh
1: yeah. I've still yeah, got that fucking, I've still got
0: it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and it's actually really neat, but what I was going to ask you like, that record, uh, anything specific about it that you like? Do you remember recording it or, or touring
2: oh, yeah. for it?
1: Uh, we, we did the whole thing at uh, like Hollywood Sound or something, and um, R- Rick was really, you know, this is the record that he was really hands-on mm-hmm. with, and we're all out in California, we're living there, um, and we had, I remember we had all like white paper on the walls, so... You could either you could write down arrangements uh, or when chuck we weren't recording a lot of downtime chuck would be drawing on the walls and stuff right and then you know and it was a pretty small studio and i think like brendan o'brien might have been
2: engineering oh wow and rick 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 glenn went down to a poster shop and bought posters of like you know chicks and stuff to hang
1: <laughs> on the on the wall and he had like I think there was one of like Alyssa Milano and she was like 15 or something. <laughs> and we, we would write, we would, me and Glenn would like draw a little, and Chuck would draw a little like comments and cartoons and stuff it's on hilarious. the It's hilarious. You know, it's, stu- it's just really s- stupid stuff. But yeah, it was, I like that record because the first record was so dry and it didn't really sound like us. It's, it's you know, like even in rehearsals, we sounded good. And the, it didn't capture the way we really sounded. And then Lucifuge sounded more like how we actually sounded. It had a little bit of reverb on it, you know. Um, and it, the songs just had a, I don't know, the, the, the whole record has a better mood as far as I'm concerned, you know. So I was happy with that. That was sort of in between. And then when we got to How, how the Gods Godskill, then it was that's the way we sound. So we, right. I was very happy with that one. But Lucifuge is a great record.
0: Was working with Rick, uh, was that fun, or was that complicated, or was
2: that... Well, it was, you know, we were we had started working with him when we were all still in New York and New Jersey, you know. Um, he was still doing Def Jam, and right. so he was still working there,
1: um, and then he was doing this movie soundtrack where he had to work with a bunch of different bands and put it all together for background music and stuff and so that's where we first recorded and then he was decided he was going to move he's the deaf jam was splitting up and he was going to become deaf american they were going to move to california and then one day glenn you know comes to rehearsal and says rick's moving the record company to california i'm going what are you guys doing
2: (laughs) yeah and we all looked at each other went guess we're going you know
1: that's Um, wild so rick was more um you know he'd come to rehearsals um uh he he'd, he'd want to hear us play things different ways and stuff so he was more hands-on for that record made a lot of notes he you know was always calling glenn with ideas and talking about music and the two of them would go out you know you know all this stuff started in new york you know he'd take the whole band out but then he would just take glenn out right. and you know give him all the propaganda and stuff and you um, you know, so yeah, it was interesting to have someone else in the room, uh, say, you know, having an opinion that Glenn might listen to, um, it was just one of those things, but you know, uh, we weren't exactly easy to work with, you know, and right. Glenn, of course, is, you know, notorious for just doing it his way and that's, that's it, you know, right. um, so Rick did what he could. You know, I think if it had been easier, we probably would have done more records with him, but um, by the time we got to the fourth one, because he really wasn't around for the third one, he was probably doing the Chili Peppers record or something
2: at sure. the time. And, uh, yeah, so it was great working with Rick. It's, it was a whole different vibe. It was like the big
1: leagues, you know, sure. like real, real, like we worked with some of the greatest engineers, guys that have Grammys and worked in these beautiful studios we, we, you know i walked into the studio and prince was is it was you know in in the break room are you serious yeah we were it was like aerosmith was tracking next door you know and it was like yeah we're we're in the big time we're, we're this is where they make real records wow you know so that that was the, the whole thing with rick i don't know if we would have been as successful if he had not come along Because, you know, uh, we needed somebody who was making real records and they were selling like real, real copies, you know, and we didn't know how to do that stuff. We were just going along and making the records we could make and they were getting better every time, you know, but uh, we couldn't we would never been able to compete or get videos played or any of that stuff. So his his contribution record company-wise
0: was probably the biggest thing, you know. I mean, it's, I was always blown away, Um, you know, as a fan, I would meet other people that were into, because I'm a big death metal fan, Um, and, but I've always held on to Danzig, like, and anything, you know, Sam Hain, Misfits, all that stuff's always very, very personal to me. It's some of my favorite shit on this planet. And I love it. And it was it was amazing to me to meet people that were into like all this crazy other extreme music, but they loved Danzig. Or I would meet someone that's really into rockabilly, but they loved Danzig. You know, and it, I always enjoyed going to your shows because um, specifically when you guys, you and and you know uh, Glenn and Chuck and, and and John. And I remember just being like, this is fucking cool because they could be have hangups or or were into something else, but. We all were there, you know, to see you guys, um, and I always thought that was really cool. Um, I can't yeah, think of no. another band growing up that 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 was a. I, I mean, there's not, there's not another band that I grew up listening to where it broke down a social barrier where you could see any type of person from whatever kind of you know walk of life you may think of, and they're a fan. I thought that was really cool. Um, yeah, that was good. It was, you know, uh, that's what we were trying
1: to do to get. You know, uh, more people or people that, you know, like, you know, heavy stuff or stuff that's real, you know, they'll all show up at the same time, you know, it almost got there,
2: you know.
0: I mean, it's it's just really cool, but um, so... Danzig 2 was originally going to be called Seven Seven Seven, and then did 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 you and Glenn change that to Lucifuge Or did you? Was that?
1: Oh no, I don't even remember it going to be anything else. Oh okay. Um, and I don't even remember what what it was going to be. Like the title of the record didn't. I didn't care. We <laughs> the, the band yeah the band didn't give a shit either. It was just basically what what I thought was good was we had done. Sam Hain records, and we just you know, it was kind of like the third one was called November Coming Fire Sam Hain 3. Yeah, you know, then we did Danzig 1, Danzig 2, Danzig 3, Danzig 4. You know, so that's awesome, it was just that came from uh the Led Zeppelin stuff because Ruben, <laughs>
0: really, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Ruben was a big Zeppelin fan, Zeppelin Sabbath, and ACDC that's Rick's whole bag nice From back then of course it's
1: different now but yeah yeah he wanted to make us the whole this whole thing was he wanted to make us one of those classic bands that people listen to for like the rest of their lives you know what i mean
2: nope. like it yeah, is that's for me why
1: we, had, <laughs> we had the gatefold you know the, nobody was doing gatefold like you know in the 70s and stuff everybody put out gatefolds whether they had double record or single record and we had the big picture of the band in the thing. It's like, this is what you get. You know, you bought this record. This is the band. Now listen to it. And that's what he wanted. He wanted us to be one of those classic bands that people would listen to forever. You know, so that was his whole vibe. And you, you can see, we. I mean, I've, we had, everybody had big sideburns and shit. It was just total 70s vibes.
2: That's right.
1: Yeah, we were like, basically, I, you know, I was like, yeah, we're pretty much like doing Black Sabbath, and our tour manager said, you guys tour like Led Zeppelin, so there you go, you know. That's
0: great. <laughs> so, and then we'll fast forward again, 1999, The Blood and the Body. So you, you've, done uh-huh. an e- you've done an easy listening, which I love, and I like. I love listening to that record. And you do the blood and the body. What, what what was going on with you when you did that one?
1: Well, I had, um, we moved out to California for whatever reason, I because I had left in like, 93. Right. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, I was living in Jersey and decided to go back to California because there was nothing happening in Jersey. And, um, uh... So I had nowhere to record. I had a had a, a single room, a um, cold water canyon that had a walk-in closet. Oh wow! It wasn't wasn't really a walk-in closet. It was like half a walk-in closet. <laughs> so I I put I put like an, um, I put whatever I had in there. Uh, like had a tape a tape machine, like a four track, right. and I had a microphone and a distortion box and a guitar, acoustic guitar. That it could be plugged in with acoustic collection, and that's it. I didn't have a bass, didn't have nothing. So, I, and I made that record in that closet, did, and did the best I could. And I was like, "Oh, I need something else." So I went to Toys R Us and bought a Casio keyboard for like thirty bucks, and and it had pr- drum programs in it and stuff. So I would just run that once in a while, or I would use the rinky-dink sounds that it had that do keyboard stuff and it was basically i wanted to make a record but there was i i didn't have anybody to do it with right um i had no connections um and i figured i'll just record it and it'll be a document of where i was at the time and this is you know the record i made with the instruments i had which are basically none you know and so uh, but i like the songs like there's, um, I'm, I'm, I'd like to put out a compilation of all the spooky stuff. Plus, I've got some unreleased shit that's pretty cool.
0: And it's cool. I love the record. I remember getting I just, it. And, just, just, I like the
1: songs. I, I've even like done uh, other versions that are, uh, of certain songs that I still like. But yeah, I mean, I did what I could do, and then I put it out, and then I got Cleopatra to buy it off me and you know they i even had copies left i said oh i got 200 more copies you gotta buy those too." you so, huh. know but i kept like 200 copies i
0: still have like 100 copies somewhere that's but, awesome yeah so
2: um i just i did what i did
1: i wanted to keep moving forward i was writing better songs i was kind of trying to figure out how to sing and you know i took years to figure out what to do but um, yeah, so that was it. I, ha- I, had, I had to do it by myself. I did it with a tape deck, and I had to learn how to bounce tracks and do all that stuff. And, you know, and that's it. Just, just it. It's, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's got some good material, but it's, you know, it's just not a great sounding record, you know.
0: And then, uh, Bad Dream number 13.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I have had the same tape deck. Um, but I was playing all the instruments. Cause like I had a, a house in Florida and that stuff was actually done. Like it didn't come out till like 2005, but it was done in like 99 or 2000. Really? Like, it just it just never, it just didn't come out because uh, I didn't have a way to get it out. or I didn't have the money to press it myself. And then I just moved on to the next thing. But I had drums set up. I had amps. I had all instruments I needed. Um, and I made, I made, uh, tape loops, like, you know, Pink Floyd and the Beatles and stuff. And I would sit there and take sound effects and other things and, and put them all onto cassettes. And then I would play them onto the tape deck. And then I would, then I'd play the drums over them. And then I'd add the bass, then I'd add the guitar or whatever. Then, you know, and I just had to keep doing that and then learning how to, like i said the bounce tracks better than i'd get instead of having eight tracks now i could have 16 tracks because i just bounced four tracks or five tracks down to one or you know whatever and just just did that and i was you know uh in florida just making the record and played everything and i really like it it originally was going to be a concept record that was going to have vignettes in between each song of like dialogue and it was like a story kind of record, and it was just basically more of the uneasy listening kind of vibe, where it was going to be a movie, and the songs were going to give you a, uh, a clue to what was going on. But it wound up being too long; it was like, you know, it was going to be like an hour and ten minutes or something crazy, and you could only get seventy minutes on a CD, and you couldn't do it on an album unless you wanted to do a double album. And stuff. So I just took the songs, and I left some of the spoken word stuff here and there um, in it, but it's, you know, whatever. And some of that stuff I really like, and it's just got a real great vibe, and it's, I don't know, it's, it's some of it's like super spooky, it's really cool, but, you know.
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. Where were you at in Florida back then? Uh, we were like...
1: Forty minutes north of Orlando, oh, okay. like an hour south of Gainesville, we were like right in the middle. Gotcha. Which was good when it came to the hurricanes, you know.
0: Oh yeah, you're far enough inland. Maybe get some fucking yeah. rain, you know. Oh no,
1: it was pretty bad. I mean, the, right before we left, we had three hurricanes in like right in a row.
0: Oh, was it bad? Um, oh, so it was bad where you were at. Well, it was bad enough, and I had an over. <laughs> gotcha.
1: Over- I had an old Victorian house, my fucking ceiling in my in the living room just fell in. Oh my god! And, and I had to repair that on my own. And then I said, "That's it, we're, we're out here." So I sold the place and went uh, went to Indiana, where I made another record.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get it. So I grew up in like the Sunrise area down near Miami. And it's funny how, as long as I lived... Now, when I first moved there, because my mom and I were down there, um, hurricanes scared me half to death. And you get older and people are like partying during them and all kinds of shit. I mean, obviously not if your house is being destroyed, but it's just weird how, you know, you'll have this stuff, like the one that just came through, like it didn't touch me where I'm at in Pensacola, but like um, over in like the... The other side of the state, you know, it it fucked it up like down in Tampa and and uh, oh
1: yeah and all I that watched, uh, I my mother's my mother's stepmother uh, had a place in Fort Myers, and that's where you know right on the golf course. Yep. It's where to go, and this was in the seventies and eighties, and they I don't know how long they kept it, but it was it was where all the old people went. Right. And I just saw some footage um, of like you know like a time lapse. And it said Fort Myers, and it was just like a parking lot. And then hours later, it's like 12 feet of water. I mean, you could barely see the tops of these trees, and those trees had to be 20 feet high. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was like, holy shit, you know, because I had gotten since, there's always been somebody from the family down in Florida, so you'd go down there. Somebody would be on vacation somewhere else, so you could stay at their house. Right. Shit like that, so we did Florida when I was a kid. Um, and then I lived in Florida for like, oh, a good four years, maybe. okay And like, I, it was, it Florida was fine, but it was too hot. And I was just like the first month, it was a hundred, like every day.
0: <laughs> yeah, it gets hot. You know, I,
1: when people say, well, how do you like Florida? I said, man well,
0: I spent most of my time looking for shade. Yeah, wow. I mean, it's, it gets humid. It's, you know, the, and the bugs and stuff. Oh,
1: yeah. Them flying, them flying roaches used to freak me out. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, sir. Oh, man, it was so big. Enough for nothing. I know what a big roach looks like. Or, you know, all these places we used to stay on the road. You'd see, you'd turn the lights on in the kitchen, and they were like, <laughs> they're, they're like those big brown ones. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> yeah. So, so those ones that could fly, that would freak me the fuck out, because I got a
1: bad back. And if something flies at me, it makes me, like, freak out and jerk and my back will just go
2: right you know? yeah
1: they
2: be, crawling some... on, they be crawling on you and every
1: time you walk in there you know man i i couldn't stand it. the best thing was that we got a disney you know florida resident pass and it was like 50 dollars a year or something stupid that's awesome so i used
2: to go down to the haunted mansion
1: like once a week
0: it's so fucking cool
1: it was great people they started to know me there you know it was, <laughs> it was it, it was so great. And I would just go, oh, let's go let's go to the Haunted Mansion a couple times and have something to eat and come come back home, you know.
0: It was I, great. I mean, that sounds awesome to me. I, I love it. I, I went to Disney uh, 2021. We went there on July 4th, which I know sounds like a nightmare. It was awesome. Yeah. Right in the middle of all this COVID stuff. I wore a mask. Of course, I was trying to just lay low. and But it was awesome. And we had a great day overcast a little bit. It didn't really rain, and, and, you know, there's a lot of rain down there, and, and it was cool. I don't think I could ever handle living in Orlando, though. It's way too busy body for me.
1: Um, yeah, I couldn't... I remember, you know, Florida, I had relatives uh, while I was living there, you know, in... Uh, closer to Tampa and stuff, but that was... Tampa always gave me a bad, uh, bad feeling. It's too... It was too, too city. Yeah. You know, you go down to Florida, you know, I mean, where I
2: lived, it was... Uh,
1: it was lake called lake county because yeah
0: i know where that is yeah and
1: um there was alligators or i'm pretty sure it's alligators um just you could just drive by and see them just hanging out oh yeah you know and then if you went down oh these a lot of people lived on these canals and stuff they just you or had houseboats they'd be you'd drop you'd go floating down somebody's canal and there's like five alligators hanging out on their lawn just in the sun yep you know, and I, I used to go to this park in uh, Mount Dora. It's a touristy town. Um, yeah. You could just go out walking, and, you know, and they had uh, like, a, like a boardwalk or whatever, like mm-hmm. through the woods. You'd see alligators just right there, raccoons everywhere. Um, it was ridiculous, it, you know, and lots of vultures. It was great. I used to feed the vultures. Oh,
0: that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's, where I'm at now, it's actually cheaper than being on this side of the state where there's not you know it's not as touristy, um, it's beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to this part of Florida, but it's
1: what well, is the west the west coast Pensacola, yeah, yeah. Oh, my favorite drink.
0: Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's it's but like I said. It's it's really. You know, it's just real laid back, and the beaches here are really clean, and you can see in the water. The the scary thing here, I don't get in the ocean, but there's a lot of shark attacks here, because it's Gulf of Mexico, so it's like... Yeah, fuck
1: that. Jaws ruined everything. (laughs) You know, every summer I had to go down the shore and go down the beach and I hated it and then when Jaws came out it was just like I ain't getting nowhere near that
2: water
0: <laughs> exactly forget,
1: yeah forget it so I, I've had a problem with water like forever so
2: I so, like, one that. of
1: my aunts lives over on that side oh and, nice um, yeah one, one of them I can't you know they live in those gated communities where they oh sure own people
0: you know I mean but, I'm close to Destin and, and all that's down here Destin's real touristy it's beautiful though
1: um we used to be able to where, i lived in uh where the hell
2: did i live i lived in leesburg oh, okay and, and it was
1: close to sanford which is a, a real old town with a lot of history yep. and i could see the when the rockets when they shoot the rockets off from whatever you know Cocoa beach or wherever yeah. it was we could just stand there and watch them you know we just drive down the highway like two minutes and people would just be parked and just waiting for it and then you can totally see the thing take off you know it's and, wild uh, when i was when i was a kid yeah we had gone to fort myers and we also went to Cocoa beach yep you know and you know it was the big uh um, only thing i knew about Cocoa beach was i dream a genie.
2: <laughs> yeah you know that's where that's where he was stationed i was like Cocoa beach i heard of that it's awesome
1: <laughs> you know but, oh yeah you know what else we did in florida we went to the the ringling brothers meet, um, winter
2: headquarters Really?
1: Yeah, it was like, that's where, you know, in the winter, that's where all the circus
2: people used to go spend the winter, you know? And I had, didn't know like, that. A whole Like a whole town, and it was a museum and stuff like that. But that was winter residence, it was called.
1: Weird. Yeah, all right. what a trip that was.
0: That sounds wild. Yeah, I didn't even know that at all. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so, spider cider, that's all there is.
1: I started that when I was in Florida that was right after Bad dream and that was done no no wait what? oh no I, then I started uh, before Spider cider
2: I started a whole other album that was gonna be called the Basset Blues okay
1: and I recorded the whole thing and it was it was good I had, there's still some songs that I like might dig up out of that but I recorded all the music. But I couldn't come up with good melodies and other stuff, I was really struggling, because the way I usually write is, I I write a lyric or something, or, you know, some, you know, verse or something, and then I pick up the guitar, and then I just sing it, you know, and so it seems easier that way, but this was already done, but I couldn't figure out how to, you know, come up with words and fit them in, and do this, that, and the other. Now, it wouldn't be a problem, I don't think. But at the time, I was really struggling, and then I,
2: I was working on digital a digital system, mm-hmm. and, it, and it crashed. Oh, shit. So, like, a, a whole album's worth of shit just went up in smoke. Just gone. Yeah, and I I, I had some
1: mixed-down mixed tapes and things just to, you know, keep ideas and stuff, and there'd, there'd be little bits that maybe were gonna be songs. So I had some, some tapes, but basically the whole thing was almost done except for the vocals i was having trouble with and i didn't know how i was going to sing some of these songs this is when i think about it now it's like oh this is i could have if i knew then what i know now i could have easily taken care of it but then it all crashed and so i had these punk rock songs that i was writing you know just whenever you write a song it comes out like a punk rock song i was going to put it on tape so i decided to do uh, spider Cider. so I started with four songs and Bob from Rosemary's Babies was going to put it out as an EP. Nice. And then, I don't know what happened. Oh, then I moved. Yeah, we moved to, to Indiana. So I scrapped those four songs. There's a demo somewhere. Um, and I re-recorded them and then uh, wound up recording all new versions and all kinds of stuff. And then I put out spider Cider as it was going to be like some phantom band is my original concept was it wasn't gonna be me it was i was gonna be the like the producer and the guy writes the
2: songs but i was gonna have other people play the songs and sing on it um, and i would like send them out on the road you know nice and so
1: that was the whole concept so um but i i played everything and wrote everything and sang everything and but every song was supposed to be someone else singing it so when i when i sang this stuff there's like more more affectation on like the the vocal like punk rock stuff you know everybody who was a punk rock singer used to say their words in a weird way and it was just a punk rock thing and so i was pretending to be someone else while I was doing this stuff. And I was just like, yeah, what the fuck? And I, I kind of liked some of the songs and I, I liked some of the parts and things. And uh, I was just like, yeah, i am putting this out. What the fuck? I don't care.
0: <laughs> it's great. I mean, I love the concept about you writing it and then produce, it, and then you send people out to play it. And that'd be cool.
2: Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. I mean, I that would be really anybody. cool.
1: I was even going to make like, you know, for the, for the artwork, I was going to have, you know, make up people's names. They were going to be like, you know, photos on the cover of people who didn't exist but that was going to be who was in the band you know right and uh it was just something to do and uh i had a bunch of songs that i liked and i wrote some new ones and i just learned a lot about recording and you know playing guitar played guitar a lot you know and got better and better at it and you know enough to, to do punk rock you know so i was like oh what the hell you know but see the what what should have came out was the bastard blues record would was the next step in my musical evolution right and it basically was sort of like exile
2: on main street that's that's what it was at the time so there was a lot of different.
1: there was mostly blues but there was some country there was just some rock and roll it was just that kind of vibe basically a record of a bunch of different styles that all had something to do with each other. And then, Kind of Country would have been my next step. But, since I lost that record, I gave up and just went and put out the punk rock record, and then Kind of Country comes out, and it's like completely different. But, if the other one would have come out, it would have made so much more sense, you know?
0: That sucks the whole, so what, did the computer crash you were recording it on, or? I I had
1: like a, a digital system that came out and it was like a like the latest thing, uh-huh. and and I was just like you know I really I can't even find cassette tapes for this this thing that I'm working on. I'm really outgrown this thing. I've you've gone as far as I can go with it. Right. So I need something else. And this digital thing, you could if you knew how to use it, which I could barely figure it out. You could do like 150 tracks or something crazy. Oh wow. And even the
2: basic shit was like 64 tracks. And I'm like, all I really need is like, you know, 16 tracks, really. Sure.
1: And so I read the manuals and I even made notes and I went back. And as I progressed and learned how to use this machine, I would write down, you know, so if I ever screwed it up, I could go back and just learn, you know. So, yeah, the whole thing, the whole thing just crashed and it, the hard drive couldn't be saved, so I had to get a new hard drive. Oh, damn, that's a. Then I just then I just moved on, and that's where I recorded um, Spider Cider and uh, Kind of Country on on that thing. But I still could only do I still could only get nine tracks. I couldn't figure it out how it would <laughs> that's fucking Sixty four tracks. I just couldn't. I'm not good with the manuals, so I just had to I had to record like I was using tape. And I still record that way, I, you know, analog in my mind. And so I just, I bounced a lot of stuff with digital. There was less generation loss. So you didn't, you know, you didn't have to worry so much about it not sounding good. And so, you you know, you have, you still have to submix in and put your effects and things on. Uh-huh. So you're gonna have to live with that, but it was much easier and uh, I didn't have a problem with it. And I still have the thing. You know, to to make all the demos for the new uh, the new record were all done on that thing. You know, it
0: kills me though. It, that that one thing should have came with the guy that built it, so he can show you how to fucking use it. I, I, hate, just, I hate I hate shit tried. like that. <laughs> I, You know, I, I just
1: couldn't do it, and all I wanted to do is know how to just just turn it on and be able to record, or just to put down a a thought or whatever. And uh, so I. You know yeah it could have been 150 tracks but you know that's too much you know there's a those good records were made on two track and four track and some of them are made live right to wax so it's it's the players and the people turning the knobs you know if you have 150 tracks first of all you'll never be able to make up your mind right you know so i mean i think dancing the most we ever did was 24 track and i don't even know if we used them all
0: sure now, that, that that thing sounds like it needs you to take a sledgehammer to it. That's just annoying, man. That's Spend money on something like that, and then you can't fucking use it because of the goddamn... I hate stuff well, like that. I'm the same it way. Was,
1: it was like $1,000, and it was a big deal. And, you know, but, I mean, I got a lot of shit done, and I was really working on,
2: you know, songwriting, sure. and trying to do stuff and, you know, how to play, and at least
1: be good enough to at least make make your record and things like that just keep progressing and moving forward
0: and stuff. so
1: you know so it was okay and once I, they replaced the hard drive i think and that was fine so i decided to start over but i was already like so frustrated with that one that one record that i was just like i gotta do something else and, and i was just like yeah i'll just do this and, you know and then i was in the middle of indiana in the cornfields and you know, writing writing songs about you know how things were going there. And I wrote some horrible country songs. Yeah, is that the good one. is that the
0: kind of country record?
1: No, uh, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Actually, a lot of that stuff was written there, and I recorded it eventually um, in Pennsylvania, where um, I would say half of it was probably done there. But yeah, I, I was always writing, and then when you live in Indiana, there's a lot of driving, so. Uh, and a lot of like flat land stuff it's very you know it's it's a weird place you know so a lot of going back and forth you know I got a lot of ideas in the car you know and uh, so that's that's where I wrote most of that stuff but yeah some of it's hysterical some of it's pretty good though do
0: you Want to do anything else in the punk realm ever again, or do you? Would you want to do it? Like, I, I tell you what, I would love if you did. Is it? Throw my two cents in. You're like, whatever, dude. Who cares what you think? But <laughs> I would love another uneasy uh, an listening top thing.
1: Yeah, it just has to go. I make the records about how you know how I feel. Sure. You know, like I never. I you know, there's a lot of people that say, okay, well, I'm gonna. I'm, you know every day i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna go down to the office and i'm gonna write songs right and then i'm <laughs> gonna have lunch i'm gonna go to the gym you know whatever or okay but you know this year we need to have a record out by june so we gotta go this st- you gotta write songs everybody go home and write songs and then we gotta get in the studio whatever hey oh, yeah, i don't do that it's it i make records when they when they come out you know like It's taken me like 10 years to to do another record, but a lot of shit happened during those 10
2: years. It just wasn't feasible. Of course. I couldn't find players. So I don't,
1: you know, if I feel like, yeah, I want to do another punk rock record or any other, any kind of style, it's just because I feel that way. Like I wanted to record a song for Kind of Country. It was all in Spanish because I really love Latin music. and, And I couldn't, i i couldn't get this friend of mine um he, he knew some woman who spoke spanish and i said can i send you a lyric and have her translated for me so i could learn how to sing in spanish so i just wanted to do it phonetically like you know
2: sure
1: and uh so he 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 wouldn't do it because he said it was a racist and i was just like uh no it's not because <laughs> i wrote it and i'm not racist and i it didn't have, didn't even cross my mind, so I just gave up on that idea, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, well, I don't know, I forgot what we were talking about.
0: Oh, we were talking about kind of country.
1: Oh, yeah, well, it, yeah, that, I got most of the work done in Pennsylvania because I had my Rosemary's Baby's drum kit set up in the basement. Really? But it was only a crawl space, so it's only like four and a half feet high. Oh, shit so i could sit on the on the drums and i might hit the stick if i went for a cymbal or something and hit the ceiling but i could sit there without hitting my head so i what i would do is i would i would uh play to a click or something and then uh, go down and play the drums but I could never get a good enough sound with the whole kit that i had to start recording each thing and you know separately to get a better sound and I, I wound up using cardboard boxes, and um, I could I got a great kick sound from uh, tapping on one of my canvases
2: when I would be painting. Oh to wow! Use it recording in the same room,
1: and you tap on it. It was almost like a drum head, and I put the mic underneath it, and I would just tap it and along to like whatever you know rhythm I was doing, right? And and
2: just go through the whole song, and then go back and EQ it to. So
1: it sounds like more like a kick drum, and then I bring the snare drum in and just do the snare, and then you know whatever else for uh, accompaniment, maybe a hi hat or a cymbal or something, and just then put it all together, you know. So
2: uh,
1: th- yeah, I did. I did most of the stuff because I couldn't like play drums when mom and dad were coming home because I was living with them again, you know. Right. Um, and so I had to wait. You know, and at three o'clock in the morning, I was like, you know, working on stuff, and I had to have the headphones on and play, you know, really quietly and stuff like that. So, you know, it was kind of hard to do, and I had to do it all by myself. But I like the record; it's got some good stuff on it. No, it's you know.
0: cool. Are you working on anything right now?
1: Yeah, well, it's the stuff's all done. Um, it's just I, I gotta go down and mix it, I'm around in Nashville right now. And it's all—all the stuff is in Nashville, and the guys that I recorded it with. And it's just like right before COVID, we were going to move back to 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 Kentucky, where I am now. Oh, okay. um, Because shit was just getting really bad in Nashville. It just—it was getting too expensive. It was COVID. There was a lot of you know shootings happening in our neighborhood all the time. So we got the hell out of there. But right before we left, a friend of mine says, "Hey, um, I'm gonna—I want to record." you know, your new stuff before you leave. And we had planned on doing it somewhere else, but it was too hot, this guy's barn, you know, and stuff. And he said, I'm gonna record everything in my house, so just come to my house, whatever. So I gave them the demos, we went down, we tracked some stuff, I would go home, they would keep working on it, I would, you know, and I'd go down there again. So all this stuff in between all that time, like so-and-so just drops out of sight, and we don't, now we can't figure out how to engineer the stuff because we can't find it or right. whatever. And just, you know, and people are always working or people go on tour or whatever. So it's just taking a long time and I got to go down there and mix it and I just, I want it to be, you know, it's got to come out good and the stuff is, is, is really good and everybody who played on it really likes, you know, the material they've heard and stuff. And it's great that I got like live people playing on it, you know, and, it's it's just so cool because they stuck to like to stuff my demos, you know, and and then they just said, you know what, I'm hearing like a little violin in this one or a little fiddle, you know, and I'm like, yeah, sure. know, well, I got a friend, you know, uh, he's coming over later, and I, I'm gonna ask him to play some, you know, and, and and then they called me up and said, hey, we got this guy got a Hammond B three. He's gonna he's gonna give it to me when he moves, but uh, we're we're gonna have him play on this song. And I'm like, great you know so there's a whole bunch of good cool shit and i just have to decide which is good and which stays and which goes and right you know, but it, the stuff i've heard sounds great you know and i just have to go down there and make it sound good
0: yeah i know uh, i had my mom's uh, best friend lives in nashville and the under the weather's crazy and the fucking
2: yeah it rains almost every day
0: yeah, and yeah, goddamn tornadoes and shit, and I'm you know I the hurricane thing, but I'd much rather deal with a hurricane than a fucking tornado. <laughs> I'm not fucking.
1: Oh yeah, it's the, the, the weather's totally nuts. Like when I first moved there, I couldn't breathe for like three months, and it's just the, the, the
2: pollen or whatever it is. Yeah. Then you get used to it, and then they have uh, every couple
1: of years. There's they have these bugs, or they're either like cicadas or something, but they're out. And if you go outside, you will get hit in the head like a hundred times with these bugs.
2: Oh shit! You
1: know, yeah, and it's and they're crashing against your windshield. It's it's just unbelievable. They're all over the ground. It's like locusts almost. Right. Yeah, and that was the first time. The first year, the whole first year of Nashville was a disaster. You know, Um, but yeah, it's just and oh man, rents have gone up thirty percent in the last year or so. It's just like you can't afford to live there anymore. And all the people that that are living there and trying to make uh, a living there uh, or being in the business or or whatever, they're getting squeezed out by people who are coming in as tourists
2: and, you know, moving into your neighborhood and driving the prices all up. You know? And
1: and it's become just like it happened in Austin in the 70s. People come down there because they like the vibe and what's going on, it's exciting, there's always something going on, and they just ruin it. They just you know all the things they like they try to get rid of and then they wonder why they don't like it anymore you know right like so it's definitely it's just bad but still you know everybody plays something and and if they play something they usually play more than one thing sure. so it's just like and they and they like all kinds of styles i was i did a radio show for a little while in Nashville for about like eight or nine
0: really years.
1: yeah and i would play you know, I had a, 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 a woman who was you know she was like her show, and I was like second banana, you know. And we would just play whatever we wanted—a lot of punk rock, but there was also a lot of underground country, which they were calling outlaw country. Time, right? And it was all these kids who grew up on Johnny Cash, Hank Williams, and The Misfits. You know, it's fucking cool, um, right? So basically, they were all fans, and they all like punk rock or whatever or hardcore. And, but they loved Tank Williams. So they played country, but it was, ha- it all, it was all dark, and it, it all had attitude, and everybody looked, you know, long long hair, beards, you know, all this shit. Right. And so that was really cool. And um, I even remember one of our bus drivers on, during Danzig, um, he used to be in a, in a country band. He was also the bus driver. He was also the tour manager. <laughs> and it's just like, And I was like, what was up with that? He says, yeah, well, when you're in country, you don't just do one thing.
2: You know, you do
1: like whatever they tell you to, and you get paid the same amount and stuff.
2: Right.
0: He's the jack of all trades.
1: Everybody plays. And you walk into any bar, the bartender's in a band. He might be in three bands. Damn. You you know, yeah, it, it was like everybody. You know, so there's a lot of great stuff going on, you know.
0: Do you like it better now that you're back in Kentucky?
1: Well, it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, I, You know, I would rather be there right now so I could, the record would already be done. Right. Um, oh, I
0: just meant from a living standpoint.
1: Oh, I can I can do what I do anywhere. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I'm not exactly thrilled with where I live. But, you know, compared to Nashville, I, you know, the amount of money that, you know, goes out the window every month. Sure. It's just too, it's just too much. I like the vibe in Nashville um, better, but it doesn't matter. I can write songs and paint and do whatever I want, whatever, wherever I am. So it doesn't really matter where I live, you know, so and I'm not going to this point. I, I'm not going out to bars. I'm not going out to clubs unless a friend is playing, you know, um, I can't spend too much time standing, you know, my back is too bad, you know, so sure. it doesn't really matter. You know, I don't have to, you know, I go out once in a while or if there's somebody coming through town that I want to see, um, then then I'll make the effort. I haven't
0: been out because I I got COVID. I avoided it for like two and a half years and I got it a few months ago. I thought it was going to fucking kill me. I ended up in the fucking ER with it and they gave me Paxlovid, if you know what that is. It's like two drugs that Pfizer came up with that basically eat it out of you. It's a tablet you take twice a day for five days. But you've got to start it right after they diagnose you with it. It saved my life. I thought I was going to fucking die. I've never been so fucking sick in my life.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine uh, described it a lot like that. But th- were you
0: vaccinated and you still got it? No, I'm not vaccinated because... Oh, I, see,
2: well, then you got it. So there you
0: go. Well, 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 I was going to tell you, so I'm on a drug called Dupixent, and you can't... It's a biological drug for my eczema, so it lowers your immune system.
1: Uh, right. So it's a conflict.
2: So you can't... Yeah,
0: I just... It, it's not because I don't want to. I'm not some crazy nut job. I just... I can't take the vaccine until they have one that's compatible with this drug because the drug that I take every two weeks, the Dupixin, it's a biological drug that like swims around in me and like helps me with my eczema. And it's been a godsend, but man, let me just tell you, I've got a bunch of friends that don't think it's real. Man, it, It kicked the shit out of me. And I'll tell you, I don't know if it's where I'm not vaccinated or what, but goddamn, it's the worst I've ever felt in my life. Like, I had it real bad. I ended up in the ER with it. Like, it was really, really bad.
1: Yeah, I've heard heard it was really bad. People would say the same thing. You don't want this.
0: I mean, I'm not trying to be... I'm being serious. Like, it, seriously, I thought no, I was going to no, fucking I, die.
1: I, you know, that's... I, you, you sound like, you know, it's accurate to me, you know? But, yeah, it's too bad that you couldn't get vaccinated because, you know, I mean... Yeah, the old lady takes a lot of pills
0: and they you can only take ones that don't conflict with each other, you know? Yeah, and, and, and it sucks because I want to, but... I just haven't been. I haven't been to a show since before COVID. I, I don't fuck with it. Like I used to do a lot of interviews in person, and I've I've had to just stick to doing them on Zoom or over the phone or whatnot because I I can't risk going out and getting that shit off some you know person at a show and then end up because God, it was it was scary. I've been sick, you know, different things throughout my life. I've been lucky, but God damn, I mean it it was it was really bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, no,
1: I, I, I bet. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, you, I, you got
0: through it. Oh, yeah. But like I said, that Paxlovid stuff, that saved my life. Those It's twice a day. They gave it to you five days. The, the kicker with it is you, it's an antiviral. You have to start it the second that that that, that, that they, like, oh, okay, you're testing positive for it. We're going to go ahead and give you the drug. Um, right. But, yeah, it saved me. But, yeah, it's and it's weird because I'm kind of a hermit. I don't really go around uh, folks, but... Yeah, now I'm just paranoid I'm going to get it again, so it's just really scary, but they say you're good yeah, for like six well, months after you get it, so I don't
1: know. Yeah, well, you know, you should keep doing that until you feel comfortable. I mean, I, I can't believe a lot of the stuff that I see, and it's recent, like, even comedians that I really like, saying like, oh, it's over, and I'm looking at the statistics, and I'm like, well, five million people died, and... uh and there's still new cases every day and how many people died in my town and people here are basically not wearing the masks at all. like i would say it's like 10 percent and i still have mine on like since it started you know oh dude
0: i do too i have to because i've got you know health problems but it's it's one of those things where it's like you know to me and I think you will understand this, and it's nothing against these bands. I want these bands to make money, but I'm not going to go to their show and, and end up a corpse because if I went to a fucking rock show and some, you know, drunk asshole, you know, breathe on me and I, I fucking die, you know, because I, I can't no, get vaccinated. No, there's, it's like, I did it. No,
1: there's no reason. I mean, yeah, it's uh, I can imagine. You can't even. Going to the grocery store is like a nightmare sometimes. So I can't imagine going to one of those shows even if there was no covid i'd still i don't know if i could go as i get older it gets weirder and weirder you know So sure. it's just like i can't you know take all these people sweating and, and spitting and you know doing whatever so you know i could i can't even imagine people going out and also like they're going to see some of these bands the guys are like 75.
2: they're they're so afraid that the band is going to get it and die oh yeah you know that they're like, they're doing
1: meet and greets behind the, the plexiglass. Yeah. And you're paying, you're paying $1,000 to meet Kiss, and you're standing in
0: front of plexiglass. Yeah, I was about to say those those Tokyo, like, boy band things, they, they do that. They've got, like, the, they they charge these people all this money to meet them, and there's, like, this, I've seen, like, these plexiglass walls, and all they do is just stand behind them and wave at you. It's like, thanks for your money. <laughs> it's like...
1: But yeah it's like i understand that uh it's it's
2: you know the the real deal is it's really hard to make money on the road in
1: general sure. especially now and with the high, basically the gas prices which this just happened years and years before gas prices in europe or whatever you can't afford to go on the road because you it, the overheads too much bands sure. cancel tours and stuff but and what we heard do dancing it was like yeah meet and greet we, we they kind of started around the time that we started doing the fan club yeah. that was becoming a new thing but nobody charged and what you had to do was if you were in the fan club you would have to put your name in then they'd say okay you're on the list you get to meet the band and then you get a pass And then after the show we'd come down we'd shake hands we'd take pictures we'd sign autographs do whatever you
2: want and then
1: we'd go you know everybody go home happy and most of the most of the shows if we didn't have to leave right away or if we had a day off we'd hang around for hours like you know just talking taking pictures if we had a hotel i would invite people up to my room we'd have like 30 people just hanging out and talking (laughs) you know And and me and the sound man after the show, we would have a couple of drinks and we would sit and then we would, you know, we're bored. Let's talk. Let's have a bunch of people. We just met tonight. Hey, where are you from? What do you do? You know, and just go around the room and try to get people to talk. And I would just sit on my bed, drinking my my, uh, you know, whatever bourbon and and, uh, just making jokes and laughing and stuff and just, you know. It was great. We never thought of charging people because that's not what you do, you know. I remember. But these days, you can't you can't make money, and they gotta make money somehow. You know?
0: Oh yeah, I mean it's well, you know it's it's weird because, um, I've had I've had people like get get mad uh, this year at me. At some, some of these handlers, I deal with some of the labels to get, you know, interviews. And they'll get mad at me that I want to come to the show, okay? And these were just exceptions to the rule. There were some folks that were coming through that I'd interviewed in the past, and they wanted to see me. And I explained to them I couldn't come to the show, you know, because it's just kind of dangerous for me to go to the show. But if you wanted to meet up, you know, before the show, maybe I could just hang out for a second. We could do a quick interview or just say hi for a second. And these people at these labels were like offended by it. It's like, well, we gave you a, a fucking ticket to the show. I'm like, I never said I was going to the goddamn show. I just said I, I've been doing this seven years. I just wanted to go, see my, say hi to my friends not take away from, you know, food out of someone's mouth. I'm not trying to go to the show. I never said I wanted to go to the show. I just said I wanted to go down and do the interview. Well, they want me to go to the show and stand around in there like a 16-year-old and, you know, hold my poster and t-shirt hoping I get to do an interview. Well, I'm not doing that. I've been doing this seven years. I don't get paid to do it. I just want to go do the fucking interview. And there are people, literally, that, have, that I deal with on a day-to-day basis a week to week, trying to get content, and they don't understand that. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going, to, I don't want to go to the concert. I'm wanting to go get my interview and leave. You know, like, <laughs> and not because, not because I, I, I dislike the band or don't want them to make money. I, it's not safe for me to go in the venue.
1: Yeah, it's also, um, well, you also, you gotta realize, you're dealing with people who don't think that it's a real thing, uh, don't believe you, whatever, but, it's costing them nothing to, for them to let you in the back door, to just walk in, say hi to the band, ask a few questions, and leave. It does yeah. not cost a nickel.
0: But, they're, but they make it into this thing, like, this whole drawn-out process. And then I got chewed out recently by one of the ladies that works for some of the labels, and she was like, do you, do you, do you know how rare it is? And we, we can't just give these tickets out and all this stuff. And I called... Yeah. Oh, I know. And I called my friend at the venue. I go, how many people were at that show tonight? He's like, maybe 50. And she's trying to make me feel bad. And I'm like, I never told you I wanted to go to the show. I said I wanted an interview. I, I, I'm not, I'm not doing this to write a review of a concert. I'm not a concert goer, you know. Especially now with COVID, it's just not safe for me, you know. Um, and hell, I'm not vaccinated. I don't want to kill the fucking band, you know. It's like... I yeah, just exactly,
1: you're but
2: being responsible and you just wanted
0: this and that and the other. yeah, and I am the bad guy. But I was just like you know, and and it's not the band's fault. The the bands were never you know, it's a couple of bands that had come on before. It's like you know, if you were playing a gig, so they're just like, oh well, you you are gonna you know, you you just need to go stand by the merch table for three hours. It's like I don't I don't have time to do that, and I I don't want to go in the venue. I don't feel safe personally. You know, between you and me, like I didn't feel safe going in the fucking venue. You know. I don't know who these assholes are that are in here wanting to watch this band. I mean I'm glad they're there. I'm glad the band's making money. Hope they buy a bunch of shit and the band makes a lot of money. But I, I don't know where this person's been and I don't want to go in there and get fucking COVID again and you know, from trying to do a damn interview. You know, but it's it's just crazy, you know, but I, I get it. And yeah, you're right. And bands there's some bands now that I knew that never charge for meet and greets that do. You know, I guess they need the money, so
2: yeah, we
1: started the fan club in, like, 1989, and th- these, like, two two ladies that already, they started it
0: with the Black Crows, because we we're on the same label for Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, so, th- we got, since we were
2: all basically on the same, you know, on the same label, was just like, somebody
1: said, hey, well, the Black Crows have this fan club, and they do this, and they do that, and we'll hook you up with them, and then I was in charge of that stuff and we had, um, what they would do is they, as people would write in, they would write their names down or they would call them if they left a phone number and they would say, hey, the band's coming through Atlanta, um, we need you to go out and promote the show. Sure. So, so they would send them stuff like artwork and things with the dates and whatever and they, so they, could, give, they would, could make their own flyers people were doing this going making their own flyers and then like handing them out going to other shows you know putting
2: them on doing whatever you do with flyers you know putting them what? up on walls and shit of course and and that was and then those people
1: would get to go to the show for free or get to see the band and get the autographs get, whatever and it was just one of those things that just kept building and then we had the hotline you know people could call and and there'd be a message about what the bear was doing or, that's awesome <laughs> you know, and I ran all that shit too, you know, so I'd be, I'd be on the road with a little mini recorder going, okay, hey, coming to you live from, you know, Richie Florida or somewhere. like <laughs> so, And uh, we're, we're just about to go on stage, just want to tell everybody, thanks for coming out, and uh, we'll see you all next week in Maryland or wherever, and, and hang up, or if we were at home, I would go, okay, listen up, here's all the tour dates, because people didn't
0: they would go, oh, well, I never even heard you were coming to town, you know, so, once we started doing the hotline, the attendance doubled, it was great. That's awesome, man, I, and, you know, and, I get it now, I mean, and it's, it's bands that, you know, that have been around a long time, they're having a charge like for, you know, they're still playing clubs, that charge like a lot of money, two, three hundred dollars for meet and greet, um, I get it, I mean, good for them, you know, something you, you know, you make some money on, I guess, uh,
1: yeah, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm on the fence about that. There's well, between
0: you and me, I mean, I, you know, from a musician side, I understand it. From a fan side, it, it kind of feels like, you know.
1: Well, see, one of the big problems is that people don't understand, especially people who, you know, don't know how the business really works. It's always been the same problem. As long as there's been bands, people are always complaining that their favorite band broke up. Or whatever used to happen all the time was just about to make it and couldn't get over the hump and couldn't make enough money to to stay together it's just a no record company might drop you or whatever sometimes if you got dropped you were done you couldn't nobody else would would sign you and back then it was big it was important to be on a label so that's the whole thing and a lot of you know fans would go Well, why, you know, last time you played, you know, this club or whatever, you know, it was really cool and you guys were right there and stuff. And you come through now and you're playing, you know, this theater and, you know, security, you know. It's like, yeah, but we can't play that club no more because there's
2: 2,000 people who can't get in. Sure. You know, so we got to play these places. Sorry, but if you want us to keep going and keep making
1: records that you like and stuff, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to go to these places. You're going to have to buy the records, whatever. It's like you got to support your band and you know it's if they can't tour or they can't make records that's because nobody's nobody's showing up or nobody's buying them you know yeah. and it's it's just the way it goes so it, a lot of bands in the punk rock days they lived on t-shirts you know and glenn used to bring screens with the misfits we brought screens with sam Hain. we ran out of t-shirts we would buy them you know and that screen print of right then and the next day we'd sell them at the show you know 10
2: bucks a piece nice. we have gas money uh we got food money
1: um it was always good glad always kept some money in reserve for emergencies and stuff and sometimes you break down and all of a sudden oh we don't have that part it's gonna be three days till we can get it it's gonna cost six hundred dollars whatever yeah so you know uh, it's it was it's always been hard to make money i don't really know if you're on one of these stadium tours you got to be making some money sure. um but you got to pay all your crew you got to you got to pay for i mean everything all the lighting and all the, the pa and stuff the band's got to pay that stuff oh yeah or even you know the buses i was amazed on one of the first buses we were on the driver, you know, said it was twenty five hundred dollars a week. And, wow, and that, and that was including the driver. I think Damn. I am wrong, but that's twenty right, five dollars, twenty five hundred dollars right off the top <laughs> before you even do your first gig. Right. You know, and then you gotta pray you, you sell some t-shirts. And if you don't sell enough t-shirts, then the t-shirt company drops you. Now you don't have any t-shirts. Right. You know, oh, it's it's just a nightmare, and it just it, it it only. I remember there being a gas problem during one tour. That's you know, and just recently I heard Anthrax had to cancel uh, a whole European tour just because of the gas. Damn, you know, and uh, they can only do select stuff now. Whatever, but that's always been a problem, and uh, and they got people just they got to charge more. And some of these older bands. Uh, I think they're like, well, we're not going to be able to do this much longer. we got to get as much as we can out, out of people. And the fans, they either pay it or they don't.
2: There's nothing you can do about it.
0: I was reading uh, – you, you'll love this. Um, so we had been given they, – they told my co-host tonight. look, you, you can't we, – we asked – we were actually going to go to a show next month. I haven't been to a show – like I said, since uh, January of of twenty, so and it was overkill. I thought you get a kick out of that. That was uh, the last band I saw live. Um, oh
1: yeah, that's, uh, uh, yeah. I, I don't know even know who's in the band anymore. I know the singer is still the same. Gun. Yeah, it's Bobby
0: and Dee Dee, the bass player.
1: Oh, Dee Dee's still in the band? yeah yeah. I remember Bobby and that. Dee Dee. Uh,
0: yeah, they're the only two, the singer and, and Dee Dee.
1: Right, right. I was, oh, I was amazed. Back then, and this has got to be going back almost 30 years, you know, that they were doing what they were doing and playing
0: all these big festivals. I can't believe that they're still playing, you know. Oh, man, I, they're so much fun. But but we were going to go to this show, and they told us, okay, well, we'll comp you for it. We can't get you an interview. And we're like, well, we actually would like to go to the show. Now today they message and go, oh, we don't have anything for you for that show. And I know they do, and they just decided not to give it to us, and it sucked because we were actually going to make the journey and actually go to the show. Um, and we've had two of the bands that are on the bill on the on the podcast in the past, but you know, it's just it's one of those things. I'm just I'm not even you know I was just trying to go to the show, and then they you know I'm not going to pay a hundred dollars to go to the show. Um yeah. it's expensive, <laughs> but it's like. You know, it's, it, it it just sucks. I mean, it's, I get it, they've got to make money, but I thought it was, so, because I know damn well, because this is a very big label, I, I knew damn well they had comp stuff, they just didn't want to give it to us, so. They didn't want to give us two tickets, much less one. It just depends on what part of the country you're
1: into, because there's some places they got plenty of comp tickets, you know. It's, it's, well,
0: this was Atlanta which was where we were going to be going. And I know damn well they could have gotten us into this venue because I've been to this venue a million times. It's been there for like 25, 30 years. And it's like, okay, whatever. It's it's the tabernacle, you know, that old church they converted into the into a music venue like back in the nine, late 90s, I think. And it's like, come on. You, you could have no, got the, us. The last, the last thing I remember playing in Atlanta was the Fox
2: Theater. That's oh, okay. The- yeah that's uh, i i think by the time that
1: other place was uh was was happening i was already not not in the band so that's that's all i can remember but Atlanta's always been a hot gig for pretty much anybody you know so yeah they could have said like well you know it's a hot ticket and this that and the other thing but Still, just put your name on a list, no ticket involved. You just open a back door, or let them walk. In, I know it's, it's
0: well, the, I'll tell you what's funny. The last time that I saw you, it was Danzig, Godflesh, and I think Typo Negative.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that sounds right.
0: And this was at a place called the International Ballroom, if you remember this place, because you were there. You're gonna get a kick out of this. This fucking venue wasn't was an old airplane hangar.
1: Oh, starting starting. Yeah, we you know enough for nothing. We did a lot of those kind of gigs with typo. I don't know why.
0: You that know, like venue was crazy. Big
1: empty hangers, you
0: know. Dude, it was huge. It was the weirdest thing. It looked like a, like a giant ass silo on its side, like a corn silo on its side. Because I saw I saw Pantera in there like a few years after I saw you guys in there with Godflesh and Typo, and and it was fucking nuts. And that venue, for whatever reason, they just quit using it. But I mean, it was crazy because it was huge. You could put a huge band in there like Pantera, you know, or Danzig, right. or whatever. And then there was still, like, plenty of room in there, but it was huge. Like, it was the weirdest thing, but it was, like, walking through, like, what I would imagine going through, like, a flea market inside of, like, half of a silo, if that makes any sense. It's kind of weird. Yeah, but. I totally, yeah. I, I, I mean, I
1: remember so many of those kind of gigs, and um, I've also been through a lot of indoor flea markets, so. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It tomatoes, was you
0: know, It was wild, so that was really cool. But
1: man, I mean Yeah, I was I was oh I I I don't have hardly any real regrets, but I regret not taking my camera, which was still my dad's camera, at <laughs> the time we did the type O's tour and I got no pictures. And I just I was just like, Why didn't I do it? But I was mentally I wasn't in a good place, so I don't think I really wanted to be there. Right. But I, I do regret it, but I did get to see typo negative, you know, play or li- at least listen to him every night for like a month. So it was fucking awesome, and and they're all they were all good guys, and Pete was great, you know. So oh that yeah, was, that was that was such a good
0: tour. I, and I guess Johnny still plays with Glenn now, doesn't he?
1: Yeah, when he can, you know. Uh, Glenn's doing like more one offs these days, sure. and then, then doing the Misfit one offs in between. Um, uh, but Johnny's, John's playing with Quiet Riot right yeah, now. Yeah, I saw that. I think, is it, is it Quiet Riot? Yeah,
0: is it playing? is. Yeah, he's drumming and for Johnny, them. <laughs> yeah. the is playing with the cult, and I know him from White Zombie. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah.
2: Um, and so between
1: those two, they're always, they're always playing with somebody. And, um, yeah, so I don't, I don't know if he did, I think Glenn played like last week or something somewhere. On a, some kind of festival or something. Oh, that's cool. And um, I was wondering, because I saw an ad for it, and I was wondering if Johnny was was on that. Because every once in a while, I'll just send him a message, ask him about what he's doing, or comment on sure. what he you know, said, whatever. And uh, find <coughs> a friend of mine, tour manager works, so I emailed him today. Hey, keep your eyes open or your
2: ears open if you, anybody needs a tour manager. <laughs> that's cool. He's, he's a good guy. He's perfect for Dipo because
1: he... He's very even keel, you know, um, and Pete was, uh, was you know, unpredictable, and so was Kenny. Uh, probably still is. I don't really know Kenny, but... I've to lost Josh, touch
0: with Kenny. I still talk to Josh. Um,
1: oh, Yeah. Yeah, how's he doing? He's a
0: paramedic in New York.
1: Well, I know, I know that. I mean, it, you know. I'm
0: oh yeah, I mean, he seems like he's good. I think he's married, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I know.
1: I, I know. I saw a picture of him with
0: cut his hair. Yeah, man, he's got like a shaved head. Uh, Peter dying destroyed me. I I used to follow them around, and I kind of got to know him a little bit, and it that that wrecked me when he died. I I don't think I've ever really gotten over that. I was a huge fan because to me. You know, being a Danzig fan, like they that band just kind of was in the same wheelhouse. You know, different but similar.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Um th- It's like we were kind of from the same neighborhood. You know, that kind of thing. Sure, sure. Yeah, we were. We were. You know, into the same thing. Just, just the, they were. They were good for us to uh, to have with. You know, we always tried to have bands that that um at least I thought were more like bands we like you know or, sure uh glenn glenn booked a few bands probably just because somebody said oh they're up coming, or they're this or different or whatever right or sometimes in, in the in the business it's like hey you know uh you guys owe us a favor take this band out you know and you just do it you know right but um yeah typo white zombie um
2: kaius in the beginning oh yeah nobody even knew who they were it been so good G. um and we always tried to have good bands but
1: um you know and there's a uh, you know oh manson oh yeah that kind of stuff and it was always fun to see their fans reactions and stuff i mean by then we're like the old men you know (laughs) right they're just sticking around to see glenn or whatever and like your mother and then go home you know
0: i mean it was i remember yeah i remember when you all played with corn and and marilyn manson oh god I rem- I remember that because I was not into nothing against it. just was not my kind of thing. I was there just to see Danzig, you know, and and you guys play, and and I was like, but I mean, both those bands are still around. So, well, I sp- I know Corn yeah. still plays like Korn. big venues. Yeah, so I think I thought Corn was uh, either
1: doing a uh, new record or had a new record. Oh yeah, the
0: they record. did. They like toured and um, stuff. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, and they've had. They've had, uh, like, one of the main guys left a long time ago. I I saw something, I was in a hotel room, and there was, like, some documentary, and I'm like, oh, I think I know that guy.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like... Just
1: on this one guy. And, uh, yeah, of course, Manson uh, was, you know, I'm still hearing some Manson stuff that I didn't even know had come out, just because... Uh, Wherever I was living, I just really had no access to hearing. Sure, and and no one was telling me, "Hey, you should check this out." And uh, and I heard some stuff the other day, and I was like, "Wow, when did this come out?" Because this is pretty good, you know. And I was just surprised. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's still doing stuff, and they were fun because they were pretty young, and
2: like they were, we could tell they were going to be big. You could just tell. Oh yeah yeah and, and same thing with white zombie they
1: hadn't gotten big yet and you could just tell they were right there and um so it it was fun to um to watch them and just you know just regular backstage bullshit and just hanging out and stuff and see what what they were gonna wear today you know because we're all pretty straight we're you know, I'm, I'm wearing a cowboy hat, I got a
2: blazer, I look yep. like an adult, you know? <laughs> yep. and, uh, and these guys are coming in in dresses and, cr- you know, crazy makeup and all kinds of hats <laughs> and stuff. Like, you know, something it was like, what is this, Gone with the Wind Day or
1: something? You know? <laughs> so it was, it was so much fun to see what was going on. And then, of course, they went crazy after the shows, and, you know. It was always something. Oh, and we had the Jenna Tortures for, like, a whole tour. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a trip. They're still doing stuff. Yeah. It's still out there.
0: I don't know if they're still married, but the girl in that group, I'm not super familiar with them, but I know she was married or is married to the guy that used to front Morbid Angel.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I kind of heard stuff, something about them, but I don't really know anything about it. I was just... um, I was just like, oh,
2: good for her. Still, still doing it. I that's know, cool. Like yeah, pictures. yeah, because there was so much, there was so much funny stuff going on, and we knew
1: nothing about this. And every, it was a new adventure every night, you know. Oh and, man! Uh, and it was just, it was just so much fun. So I, I was like, what can they? After all this time,
2: because uh, that was in the nineties, so yep. I not that long. But but it's been a while.
1: Uh, I'm like, what can they keep doing to keep shocking people? gotta be hard people are less shocked well th- nowadays actually people are more shocked so maybe they're doing just
2: fine <laughs> yeah
1: you can it's people by walking down the street
2: <laughs> yeah it's it's
1: i'm offended
0: yeah i know it's yeah, it's it's crazy stuff um lastly you know who's, gonna, who's
1: gonna who's gonna listen to this crap I mean, come on. You, what, you, you and me? Edit some of this stuff.
0: Oh, I'm going to edit it. But I mean, did, did you know the last one? Because I checked this tonight before you called me. The last one, which this is a lot. And you can go on and look at the rest of our stuff. Our last one, 600 views. On YouTube, which is a lot for some crazy fuck from Florida just podcasting out of his house. So Yeah,
1: that's good i mean i have have no point of reference because i don't uh, i don't do a lot of podcasts
0: i appreciate you doing this man it's it's and people look forward to it
1: no i do plenty of podcasts but i just don't because that's the thing i just don't watch a lot or listen to them i mean the whole thing started as far as i was concerned was like 10 12 years ago with like you know npr and i'm like then all of a sudden there's just whole interview things and then all of a sudden there's this podcast thing, Yeah, you know? But I never pay attention. And the only one I've been listening to is those ones with uh, with Rick Rubin talking to somebody. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and those are really, really good. And I usually, it's like, oh, let's see what this guy has to say. Because a lot of times you, you, you wouldn't think you'd have anything in common with a musician
2: whose records you don't buy or you, you know you don't really pay sure. attention to but you know who it is you're like well this people
1: obviously like this person you know so you know what does he have to say and a lot of times you get surprised so that's that's a good one it's called on uh, what is it called broken record i think with uh, with uh, so-and-so and uh, featuring rick rubin that's cool so yeah they they did uh, um, a couple of things And a real good documentary on uh, Wildflowers by Tom Petty, which
2: is a record I like. Oh, cool!
1: So that was good. Yeah.
0: All I know is our fans asked me if we could do this again, and I appreciate you doing it. I didn't mean to talk to you again as long as I have, but I mean it's it's fun to catch up with you. I like talking with you. You're one of my heroes. So I mean it's as long as you didn't mind doing it, I appreciate the hell out of you taking the time to do this because it's. It's a very popular thing that we do now on Halloween, so...
2: Okay,
1: well, whatever you say, as long as people enjoy it. Oh, always. dude. Yeah, I was... You uh, got a
0: lot of folks that like you, you know, they're damn sure not I, listening for me, so...
1: <laughs> it's, uh, I, I could be doing anything, you know, right now, uh, but I could also do it as soon as I hang up, you know, so... It doesn't... It, it's, this is just another part of the day, so it's fine with me. You know, well, it as means a lot you, to me. As long as you're not uh, annoying, like a lot of people are.
0: I hope you've enjoyed it. I've had fun talking with you. Oh um,
1: well, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not going to stand in line to do it again.
0: You know, but you know, <laughs> wow. no,
1: it's, no, it's okay. As long as I'm just laying on the couch, you
0: know. Hey so, man, it's totally cool. I I appreciate the hell out of you doing this. Like I said, it it got out there last time, and people enjoyed it, and you know.
1: Alright, well, good. Well, if that's what people like, that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. Keep your keep people interested in what you're doing. So.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's fine. That's good. I appreciate that. Uh, when I put out a record,
0: I expect them to buy it. <laughs> and I think they will. I know I will. Uh, so.
1: I think people will be pleasantly surprised. That's what everybody who's involved in it keeps saying. People are going to really be blown away by this. They're going to really like it in, in a weird way or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> did you have a lot of different people work on it
1: um I'd have to get the you know I gotta put the credits on there but there's usually like um the guy who was building the studio where I did it he's the producer he was like yeah what are you doing oh, I'll put shingles on the roof oh yeah one of my buddies was helping me uh, he also plays uh, you know banjo or whatever so he's gonna play a track so right. there's a few guys that played like one guy played Fiddle and uh a mandolin, I think. That's I'm not really neat. Sure, I have
0: to. Yeah, that's cool. We song. can do it when it comes out. We can do another thing. Yeah, I
1: have to figure it, figure it out, or we'll we'll do like a special show. we like we'll talk about this song and
0: then play it. Yeah, man, we can do. Yeah, if, if we get, I know, would love to do one of these with you in person sometime. It would be fucking awesome. I've never got to meet you, so. You um, know where you living? You're in Pensacola.
1: Yeah. So I'll, I ain't likely to go to Florida. Or anything. Well, hey, I'll I'll make my way up
0: the Kentucky way. I'll come on up and say hi. Yeah.
1: But, you know, you come up here and...
0: Buy you and the missus an expensive dinner to thank you for the hours and time I've wasted of yours in the past. and <laughs> uh, You know, whatever I could do. Some kind of con- contribution to Erie Vaughn. And-
1: yeah, to the statue they're planning, you know. Hey, man.
0: Now, I, I, I would, I, if I had the funds and resources, there would be an Vaughn statue in the heart of New Jersey, or wherever you wanted me to put it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, like 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 Bob's Big Boy, you know, like I could have a pizza at the end of my finger. Oh, God!
2: You know,
1: <laughs> hey, come on down, and then I did like the, that place closes, and they move my statue over to the car wash. <laughs> hey, come on down, get your car wash. All right. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe something more cooler than that, but yeah.
1: yeah. Well, that's who says that's that.
0: I mean, it's pretty cool. I just I know I don't know about Bob's Big Boy. I know a lot of the Shonies down here. They went out of business on me. I, I tried to go eat at one, and I work with these people. They're just like, "What the fuck is a Shonies?" And I'm like, "God damn!" It's like. <laughs> well, well, a lot of places have different names
1: too. You know, if you if you if you get the. Hard parties I think is It, it might be
0: hard Carl's things. Jr. Yeah
1: and Yeah right It's Carl's Jr. Like in LA Yeah, you know, It's the same exact store With the same exact mm-hmm. You know Happy Star Yep But it's called something else And Checkers is also like Speedway or something, something
0: Yeah cool. it has a weird name Yeah it's got like it's, a uh, got, What the fuck is it those, called? They still got
1: those good uh, Spicy fries
0: though Oh yeah they do yeah, Yes they good. do but yeah, man, uh, I appreciate you doing this. Uh, you get the record ready. We'll do it again, and if not till this time next year, we can uh, let me talk to you about stuff for multiple hours. And our listeners love it. Like I said, I, I had a bunch of people I was like, "Could you talk with him again?" I was like, "I'll ask him." You know.
1: Yeah, maybe maybe it's like something they can like you know record and go to sleep by. Hey, I mean, like,
2: I I think like it's
1: Matthew McConaughey. You know, it's yeah. like, All right. <laughs> <He's gonna check laughs> little story right now, and it's gonna make you relax. He really does that shit.
0: That guy, man, he's he's a wealthy guy.
1: Oh yeah, I guess. But I mean, you know, he's he's also handsome, so I guess he's got that you know on his side too.
0: So. Yep, he's got the, the the that and that. Yeah, I don't have any of that, so. Ooh. Yeah, my with dad that. always
1: used to say, "How come I wasn't born rich instead of handsome?" <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. Yeah,
1: an oldie but a goodie. I can still use that. One.
0: Oh, it's it's perfect, man. Dude, thank you for doing this. I didn't mean to make it so long tonight, but thank you. Oh, it's
1: okay. I was just, you know, I was just gonna do whatever I was doing anyway. So.
0: Well, I appreciate the hell out of you doing this. <laughs> All right, yeah. now
1: you can stop emailing me every five minutes. You I won't. You still gonna do it.
0: I won't. I will send you the, the interview when it's done if you'd like to check no, it out.
1: I don't need to hear myself talk.
0: Yeah, but you could put it out there. Put it out where people can oh, see can it from you.
1: It. I can link. i put it on my Instagram. Yeah, account.
0: yeah, because people. Like, pe-
1: like three followers will go to you. You're,
0: well, you must have more than that because I know I don't have 600, so you must have more than I do. So. No, I know I've you got do. Like,
1: I've got probably 800 or so on. You
0: got here, some, and man. You got some good things. ones. I. God bless your your fans cuz they came and checked it out. So. Yeah, I only just put that on there, but when it comes to like
1: the fan page of my regular page, I got like 25 or 30,000 people. So,
0: right? there you go.
1: Yeah, it should be no problem for me to sell like a thousand records, you know. I think
0: you so. can. I'm going to bomb, so. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be more than happy to bomb. Alright, well I guess everybody Happy Halloween Since this is probably When you're gonna play it I am We're gonna drop it The week of Halloween And and uh, right, well,
1: I hope everybody Enjoys the winter season I know I will As long as it doesn't snow too much And uh, That's about it And I'll let you know When the record comes out And when the new book Will come out Things like
0: that Yeah, man And keep up that artwork
1: I will try I'm working on painting right now
0: It's fucking awesome, dude Fantastic <laughs>
2: And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.